When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline and... La, 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 la. Joining me is the man who will lead wherever you follow, Jaff Owen. Hi, thanks Hi. for having me. It's an honour. This is a big honour. It is an honour. <laughs> and I know the pressure of this subject has and it, weighed down upon me. Like I, like a hugely requested topic since oh. I began. And and like I've got, I get lots of very requested topics um, for TV shows in particular. A lot of people talking about the OC, One Tree mm. Hill. And for those things i'm always like ah, i've never seen those shows like it's a, i'm sorry i just i don't know i just didn't i haven't seen one tree hill to be honest yeah yeah, yeah. me neither for some reason that sort of like californian bubble in the noughties passed me by and so i'm just like ah, it's too much research but in the case of gilmore girls the reason i held off for so long was it was like i don't know if i can go back there man <laughs> I, know, I held off for ages though i did the yeah, same yeah i think because it hadn't been like it wasn't really over here when it came out yeah. I can remember it being in the world, but not in the UK. Yeah. So I didn't watch it until maybe three years ago. Really? Is that, that's bad? That no, bad? no, I just, I assume that you were like, uh, like, like myself. Well, like, so I was obsessed with this show between, I would say the ages of about 18 and 22. Um, I was just, like 18, 21, just before I immigrated. And then, and I, it was like a constant rewatch on DVDs. I had all the DVDs at home. Um, I had like specific friends who I would talk to about the Gilmore Girls, and I and I and like I held held off on covering it for so long, even though it's the perfect sentimental garbage topic, because it's like it's you know how like you know when you're depressed when you're playing The Sims, yeah, like it's <laughs> that's how I feel. It's like it's where I go when I'm sort of like wounded on the back foot, sort of, and that's why it it means so much to me. My uni years, because I quite kind of struggled in my uni years yeah. a bit to sort of find my kind of place socially. And uh, it would. This was the place where I went to bury all that anxiety, and I was like, "Am I ready to dig that up? I don't know." But I've actually, I've had a brilliant time. Yeah, it's been really. I mean, that's. I think that's where everyone goes. That's where, when yeah. they're feeling like that. Yeah, and still, it's why I go as well because it is very comforting. So like everyone talks about the comfort. Right? It, yeah, Which, yeah, totally. And what got you into it three years ago? Then I was finally ready because I was aware of it, and it was like so. It was. It was the sort of show that I would absolutely love. At the time when it came out, I was probably watching Buffy, like obsessed with Buffy. Mm, yeah. So, and this just didn't happen for me, but I never felt ready for it. And then I was just like, yeah. I'm ready. And the night I watched it, I stood up to like five in the morning, just watching it. I just could not believe. I couldn't believe I hadn't done it before. And I felt yeah. sad for myself in a way that I hadn't... <laughs> How much you'd missed, yeah. Yeah, that I actually, that it should have been my life for years. But like, so if it's not like too personal, like were you going through something three years ago? No, I was in a really good place and that's okay. why I finally went to it. Right. I was like, I'm ready for this. Um, <laughs> I'm with someone who I think will appreciate it in the same way. Oh, yeah. And I think maybe before I was worried it was going to hit too close to home. Some of the, mm-hmm. you know, like, especially for the male characters, I'd sort of seen little bits and I was like, oh, no, maybe that's where I am in my relationship yeah. with, with someone. I don't want to go there if it's like 
Fleabag. When I watched Fleabag, I was like, oh, that, that's. I was in a relationship that wasn't great. This yeah. has suddenly got yeah. really personal. No, I think. But um, yeah. that's kind of, and I felt like I don't really want to watch it if if that's what's going on. Yeah. So I think you need to be in a good place for it. But also, you're right. People keep going back when they're in a, yeah in a bad place or just like kind of. And it, and it like I get I think that comparison to The Sims almost makes sense because it's like the mundanity is what's so comforting to yeah. you, um, and it's funny you you mentioned like seeing yourself in the male characters, which is like why we're not what how we're doing it today because we we spoke a lot um, since you came on for the twee episode and we fell deeply mm. in love. Uh, this is <laughs> the minute you confessed to the listenership that you had a Cindy Horace growing up, I was like. <laughs> I am going to know this man for 20 years <laughs> and I will enjoy every minute. <laughs> um, and uh, But we talked about doing the show and it's so huge. Like there's a hundred and something episodes and they're all 50 minutes long and yeah. it's, it's an enormous cast and all, all these sort of like plot movements and we're like how do we condense that we don't really have the resource to do another sort of sentimental in the city of like one 90 minutes per season so what we decided on the end is that we were going to review the show in two parts (laughs) via the male characters I asked you to rank the male characters to give <laughs> to give me like a top eight, like on MySpace, of all the men on this show, and that we're going to review the show through the lens of that ranking system. Um, because even though I don't think this show is about romance, no, it's a but it is about people and like what what these or these characters represent and what they throw up for the core to women you know yeah i mean is what's weird is how much the discourse around the show is about the men yeah which yeah. is which is why i feel a bit bad like as being a man coming on being like well let's talk about the men because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a show about women and women's relationships with each other but actually mm. what everyone's talking about around it is the men it's like even when it's a show that isn't about men the audience makes it about their love interests, yes which yes. is that's so true. So this is the end. This is the last podcast that we've done on the men. Yeah. We shouldn't. No one should do one after this. But if the, all the other ones out there are so like Team Jess, Team, they're all about that. Yeah. And TikTok's the same. And it's quite. It's a strange thing to have the discourse about about men so much when men aren't actually that significant in the show. Yeah, I think um, that was something we came across in the Sex and the City podcast where we talked about all the men are like sent to teach something to the women, and I think that adage is more true in this show than it is in Sex yeah. in the City of like what it sort of throws up for these characters and I think so much of that is to do with class and class tension I yeah. think there is almost there's never a love interest where there isn't a question of like is this person of a suitable class are they almost yeah. too suitable class are you are, are you actually a class below them you know and, and that is what this show I think is most obsessed with yeah it is obsessed with class I mean the whole show is yeah and it does it completely uses the men from like you know Max onwards and then Dean the whole thing and Luke yeah. they just straight away it's straight in there with these are the men and these is how it works with them yeah and them sort of moving between these two worlds yeah yeah and it's it's funny because um uh I we haven't done the plot summary yet because I just assume anyone you know uh plugging into the show knows what the Gilmore Girls is about and if it and if you haven't watched it you're gonna skip the next two weeks and I'll see you <laughs> I'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs> um but I I explained the plot to Gav when I was sort of starting this rewatch and I was like, listen, it's about these um 
this this woman who is from a very upper class background. She had a child at 16. She um, became estranged from her parents. And then at, when her daughter turned 16, she gets into this expensive private school. Uh, she has to go cap in hand to the parents that she's estranged from and the entire show is basically based on this thing of in order to get their financial support she has to um, rebuild a relationship with them through these Friday night dinners and that is the main conceit of the show obviously it goes so many places but that's the kind uh, I imagine that was the thing it was sold on right yeah I think it was sold on it's about a mother and a daughter who are also best friends yes that's all she said I think that's all she said and then then they were like great we'll do it and then she had to go like find an actual and plot, an actual plot yeah. around it and a setting for it, and that, which that, is a genius plot, I think. Yeah, but uh, and the first thing he said when I explained that plot, he said, "And it's an American show." I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "It sounds like an incredibly British conceit," yeah. and I was like, "It's such an idea for an English show." It is quite sub- like subversive for a for an American show, especially yeah. when it came out and where it was in the time slot. I do feel like it's just the fact that it centers women and just their relationships so much. Yeah, you do feel like wow, it's quite amazing it got made. Then I know stuff like Buffy was happening, and yeah, but it was still that was quite rare. I think. Yeah, and everything about it is rare and weird. Mm. And what I what I kind of love most about it is like I always sort of cite it as being like one of my favorite TV shows. Um, but and people are like, "Yo, oh, but I like it," and then I just go, "I don't know." Like, <laughs> I sort of like how it's not for everyone. Yeah. The the pace of the dialogue, the kind of way that, you know, incredibly minor things can be like episode long storylines. Mm. You know, there's like one, there's an entire episode about Rory filling out college applications <laughs> <laughs> and whether or not Hillary Clinton is one. going to be the subject of her personal oh, essay. It's a really application anxiety. It's <laughs> such a good episode. And then, like, I can see how that would be for everyone. And also the the pace of the dialogue and the references and the sort of like, the rhythm of it, if that's not for you, then that's, then that's kind of it. it is, like, it's like yeah. you're not in, you know? It is. I've been watching it 1.5 times to get through it over the last three weeks. So yeah. times and a half speed. Really? Yeah. Because I was like, I just want to get through as much as I can and sort of wow. watch it as much as I could. And But you get used to it, that speed, <laughs> but it is quick when you watch it that fast. Oh my but God. But it makes every episode like 30 minutes. How do you, is that even a function on Netflix? Yeah. <gasps> it's really it's useful. A, a hidden in the. <laughs> it's really useful. You just speed it up. I think the kids are doing it. I think that's wow. what the kids they listen to music too fast now. You know, everything's too fast. It's exciting. That's very chilling. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite weird. Um Yeah. Yeah, and um and I think if you if you're not and the pace is it's almost like a nineteen forties radio show. That's yeah. like the kind of the the length it's moving at. And if you don't like it, then that's just not for you. And I and what I like about that is the even though it's a very mainstream show it's kind of the exclusivity of like people who get it get it and people who don't don't yeah. it's almost like an incredibly wholesome Twin Peaks that way of yeah, like yeah no it is quite Twin Peaksy. yeah and it's also like it reminds me of when people say like nothing happens on it it's like that that's what happens in Seinfeld but it's not a problem when it's Seinfeld like yeah but when it's Gilmore Girls that's kind of something that's it's criticised for it's like nothing happened you know and that is the joke of it but I like yeah. that nothing happens I think that's why people go back to it because it's all like it's all about the depth of like the dialogue really yeah and that's what's so rewarding that every time you go it, it just gives you more and more and so the second watch round is is even better and, and now I'm on my third it's like this is it's so good the third yeah. time round yeah oh it's so, I can't I... wait to get to my fourth <laughs> <laughs> and like it's like before we start with our very rigid ranking system, which I mostly agree with, um, is the, I, 
I, this is one of my favorite TV shows, and and I think I'm judging favorite in the sense of it's the thing I've come back to the most and get the most comfort from, and and have logged the most hours with. I think there's things that I admire more. Like I really admire things like Search Party or Girls, but I can't mm. rewatch. They don't have that rewatchability yeah. effect. I would say I would put this show in my sort of personal locker alongside Sex and the City and The Simpsons. And when I actually thought about that, I was like, oh yeah, because they are, Gilmore Girls is the meeting point between those two shows in a weird way. Obviously it has these like slow burn relationship dramas that Sex and the City has. But in terms of it being like The Simpsons, it's like, obviously Simpsons has these big jokes that everyone remembers, right? But the the thing about Simpsons that was kind of revolutionary was that it was a sitcom with no laugh track. And because there was no mm. laugh track, there was no like puncturing moments for the for the those characters to wait, wait for the clap and then move on with the next joke. And because that happened, it was like you could shove so many little jokes into a scene that are really odd and and aren't for everyone. But it's OK because the next one's coming along. Like, I think about, like, Homer, for some reason, has an exhaustive knowledge of the Supreme Court justices. <laughs> and they just come back to that every now and then. And, like, there's another thing where, like, the, um, cat, uh, he's only read, like, three, Homer's only read three books. And for some, and two of them are, like, silly. One of them's, like, Dr. Seuss and one of them's, like, whatever. And the third one is Catherine Hepburn's Me. <laughs> Her autobiography. And I'd say, that is such a Gilmore Girls yeah, joke for, yeah. like, a stupid character yeah. to have read Catherine Hepburn's Me. <laughs> It, it, I mean, the, the references is kind of like that's what makes the show, yeah. To me, like, and that's what makes it so rewarding going back. And but you don't get them all, but that's what's quite. I don't get them. Like, there's so yeah. many. They, they come so oh, quick yeah. that, and even if you've watched it when they come again, you're like, oh, I didn't even notice that. You know, Susan yeah. Faludi reference. You know, it's like yeah. they, they do come fast, and they're obscure. They're really obscure. Like you do need. Like I watched it this time around. I was, I, I started being like, I want to know what that is. Like, and started <laughs> yeah. going in like. An annotated, like finding an annotated site that does every reference, which is very useful. For yeah, me. very useful. Um, yeah, but there's so many, and they're so obscure. And I don't. It's not like you're, you. It's not the audience to get. Yeah, I think it's kind of about them setting up this world where the characters you see the characters getting the references. Yes, and, that's and the characters what, who don't get the reference because there are characters who are like, yeah. what? Like, yeah. <laughs> like they 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 are the audience. They're like, that was a fucking bizarre thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> Do exactly. you know what I mean? But that's kind of what the shows about like it's yeah. about like these two worlds where in one world that's sort of the cultural capital is mm. about these pop culture references going between everyone and that's how they talk and that's the knowledge yeah. that's valued and another world that doesn't value that knowledge but values yeah like you know upper class you know sort of you know education and yes um a sort of standardised idea of what's knowledge, which is why it's quite a sense like a very sentimental garbage. Yes, because your whole show is about what parts of culture are valued and what, oh. and and that's what and that's very really what good. the, <laughs> that's, <laughs> but that's what the like the whole subtext of Gilmore Girls is like what parts of culture are valued, and what happens if if Lorelai doesn't value the things that Richard and Emily value, yeah. but she does value these really obscure movies. And it's so saying why true. is one why is one valued and one isn't? It's and like so, particularly in the early seasons, it, a lot of it is just her and Rory watching TV and yeah. narrating what they're watching. Yeah, it's you know, so surreal. It's it is surreal. It's like there's a one in sort of season three where the two of them are watching the the cold open is Grey Gardens, yeah. um, the very famous documentary about these Kennedy cousins, um, a very strange, and then just, them just narrating it in this very like almost sort of 
Yeah. In a way that like is normal for a podcast now, but podcasts <laughs> didn't exist then. They're like, yeah, there's something there's something very beautiful and free about them and I love these women and they're obscure. And like they're like having this like sort of dissertation type conversation yeah. about this sort of documentary and it's like this interesting thing because you have this character who like had to drop out of high school, got her GED, didn't go to college. And so it's basically like all of the all of the work that her brain could or should have been doing in an Ivy League happens on culture and so she's just like devouring all this stuff know, with her yeah. daughter and they make this world of references together, you know? Yeah, and but that, and that's... I do love that start because it is odd to think of them sort of... They've had this conversation before. Yes, They've watched this so yes. many times. So who who's it for? I mean, no, it's yeah. for us, but it's kind of... It's for each other. That's kind of their... Yeah. Them going through that. But you're right that, that she has... She has, the, you know, the capacity to really understand things, but instead of understanding the things that... Richard and Emily yeah. value. She like devours all these obscure yeah. films and and music and all these things, and she she knows them so well. And it's like, what is why is why is what she's yeah. devouring different to what? Yeah, why isn't it valued by? Why aren't yes. they looking like? Oh my god, you know. But she's kind of and it's this constant thing that's referred back to in the in the the Richard and Emily dialogue, which is. You you wait. You were the most talented kid in your class, and mm. you like you wasted your potential. And it's like it's not wasted. It's just no. like she just knows a lot about. Yeah. She knows a lot about the she world. Just like really fast, and you have to keep up with her. <laughs> yeah, and, and like it's not wasted because her, her like whole, all her conversations are full of these amazing yeah. deep references. I was thinking. I was like, imagine having Laura like Gilmore on the show. I was like, what oh. would she do? <laughs> what would she pick? Oh yeah. <laughs> I wonder if she'd be aware of. I mean, I guess the the texts she's into are, are quite sentimental garbage. Yeah, friendly. yeah. I think she. I think what would happen is I would t- I would email Laura like Gilmore coming on the show. She would say yes, but then she would be impossible to pin down for a schedule. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, you know, just just checking in about this. We we're really excited to have you on. I loved your suggestion. And then she's like, oh, and then I just like it takes me seven months to pin her down. And then when I actually get her into this recording booth, I can't keep her on subject, and I end up <laughs> pretending that I lost the audio. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that was Laura like Gilmore's sentimental garbage episode. Rory, I think, would be a delight oh. on, but it would be a dull episode. <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't give a lot. She'd go really into depth. Like, yeah. And I love, um, yeah, just her treatment of books is interesting. Like, yeah. she loves them so much and she cares for them and they're in that drawer. Yeah. But I don't think you'd get much from her. Let's, let's start with her top eight. Yeah. Coming in at the bottom, it's Dean. <laughs> yeah, it was a tough, it was a, tough call between eight and seven and I won't reveal what seven is mm-hmm. but I put Dean I don't think Dean would have been at eight when it first aired no, no. I, I think the sort of because he's very toxic he's like very toxic but I don't remember like that being a thing at the time and when um I've sort of looked at how he was it wasn't he wasn't sort of received that way at the time yeah well, like he was the good guy to Jesse's bad boy you know yeah and then, mad. and then so, what's so ingenious about the writing of the show is that it does flip. Is that Jess actually becomes like a, a, a novelist who owns a small press <laughs> no. in Philadelphia, and Dean becomes this embittered husk of like he's like a bad Bruce Springsteen song, <laughs> just like the small town guy that never got out of the small town and just became withered by his resentments against women. Yeah, like Dean stormed the Capitol. <laughs> He totally did. He totally, he was there with his fucking tiki torch and he was like storming the Capitol about like all the things that have been taken away from yeah. him that he deserves. He is like. He's so entitled. He's I mean, so entitled. He doesn't even realise it. He's so, by the end of it, he's so angry 
Like, he's kind of arguing with himself. Yeah. There's that amazing episode. I think it, it might be, it's the one where I think they go and see the Springsteens. Um, <laughs> oh, the first, yes. It's the first time we see Day. That one where we see the Springsteens, which... Not not Bruce. No. But just a character who is called like Dave Springsteen <laughs> for no other reason than then making a joke about, imagine if his brother was Bruce Springsteen. Ha ha. Yeah, I guess it's no relation end. though. That's... <laughs> Bye. Like, done. <laughs> and they come back from that and then they go to the town meeting and Rory, there's, there's a giant horse at the town meeting for something yeah. to do with the soda shop. Mm-hmm. And Rory comes out and she's like, oh, there was a giant horse. They were talking about a giant horse. Complete, Dean doesn't even care. He's not even listening anymore. He's yeah. just, and he just starts sort of arguing with himself about how, what are they going to do when they go to Harvard? Yeah. He gets to that point at the end of it where he just, it doesn't matter who's talking. He's just so angry with everyone. So for no reason, really. But it, I, what I'm interested in asking though is that, like, having you watch the, and this is this is something that comes up a lot in the fandom and is covered a lot on that podcast, Gilmore Guys, which I've also been listening to, and it, it, it is it, it's yeah. good but yeah. flawed. It's flawed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is awful. This weird critical aside about my <laughs> podcast. Um, we we introduced Dean in the first episode, right? And he the, the first thing he says to her is Rosemary's baby. Is when she's she makes yeah. a reference to him just standing there, and then so he's like this. He's from Chicago. He's just moved to Stars Hollow. He's like not a bad boy, but definitely cloaked in a kind of a mystery. Yeah. and a, and like a he's like, wow, I saw you. Someone threw a football past your head and you didn't even look up. I love yeah, the yeah. way you love books. Wow. And he likes books. And, and he likes books. He's, he like, yeah. he's, he's like suggests you should read Hunter S. Thompson. And, yeah. like, and they talk about Jane Austen, I think. They, yeah. They, 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 he has conversations about, she lends him a book and he reads it. Yeah, yeah. Like he's actually, and then within sort of five episodes, they're like, they're kind of, it, it doesn't take long for them to just take all of that. Yeah intelligence away till by the end of it he's just sort of dragging his knuckles around that's that is it, it is <laughs> dragging his knuckles around <laughs> um and it's like yeah jess shows up and it's like oh jess is gonna be the books guy yeah so oh, they can't both be they books can't guy. both be books <laughs> guys two people reading books yeah so i do think that is kind of sloppy writing but i also think that there is um like if we were to you know give amy sharon paddy you know the sort of the the, the benefit of the doubt here that there is something of like that's very young romance about putting up a front of being into things mm. and being like yeah. I like what you like I'll read whatever yeah. book you want me to read just fucking kiss yeah, me yeah, on my yeah. hand like it's, yeah you don't see him reading yeah and you know so and like the only the, the book he's talking about is Hunter S Thompson which to be fair is a HMV book and also he you know? misses the S out of so he calls him Hunter Thompson. Oh, <laughs> Hunter Thompson. I'm pretty sure he misses the S out. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that I think is really deliberate. Yeah. Because like there's no yeah, there's no reference that's like even though there's so many of them and they're so quick fire, they're they all really mean something. Yeah. And uh like for example, there's like a bit where Luke is struggling to he's trying to prove to Richard that he Richard Gilmore that he reads. <laughs> and he's he's like, um, you know, I read that book I read, um, sci fi guy dick <laughs> and it's so funny because he's just saying dick <laughs> and but it's like, but like when i watched it i was like oh yeah he's talking about philip k dick yeah. he's talking about the sci-fi writer of course luke danes would read the man the high castle yeah. he would love that book yeah. and i was like it was really rewarding one book he feels, yeah. he's, like, he's like a one book guy he's like i just don't think i'll read another one that's the one <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's one great. philip k dick's the man in the high castle <laughs> the worth of what if the, the nazis won that's so him <laughs> 
But back to Dean. Um, yeah, he's like, I think the defenders of him say that like he's like a great first boyfriend to have, which in some ways is true. Yeah, no, it's weird because Lorelai loves him. Like she describes mm. him as every mother's perfect yeah. first boyfriend. Yeah. For the daughter, I assume yeah, she's yeah. saying. There is quite a bit, there is a bit of tension there. Yeah. But, and and even the more that it keeps going on and they just keep coming back to me like, she says, oh, you know, he was so sweet and supportive. Mm. And after he's done like quite awful things, like yeah. she really doesn't see it. And then nor does Rory. And like in a year in the life when she bumps into Dean again, mm. she's like saying, you know, I always felt so safe with you. Like, what would Dean? Wow. No, you <laughs> didn't. Surely no, you did not. We didn't feel safe. <laughs> I think what's so interesting about the Dean thing is that he throws up a lot of things that the culture has only started talking about in the last That's four it, or five yeah. years. Which is so it's like you you know, obviously Dean is Dean is the nice boyfriend, he's the, the tall glass of milk and he and uh he's like respectful and he has her home at curfew apart from that one time they fell asleep <laughs> on a dance mat in Miss Patty's studio. Um and he's respectful to her mother, he tries really hard, all kind of thing. And then and then Dean is like he pulls pranks around town and he doesn't go to school and he back talks to Lorelai and he's the bad boy. Um, but it's actually like what it's it's the hidden things about Dean's character that actually and that are subtler things and things that are only really visible when he and Rory are alone together yeah. that are really manipulative and controlling. Um, I, I'm trying to think of like what's a most prominent example. I guess basically just when first it's that he tells her that he loves her. Yeah. Like, towards the end of season one I'm thinking yeah and she doesn't say it back immediately no and he gets really angry he's so, really angry he dumps her he like it, yeah he dumps her which yeah. is yeah and then it is, I mean the show's about how men hand, this is not about but the show this yeah. is about how men handle their insecurities like mm. how they what they do with them and like yeah for, for Dean the only thing he knows how to do is like turn that into anger and yeah and sort of reassert his power so when he feels insecure he needs to reassert himself and so it's through anger that he does that and yeah um and that's a weird scene like but then he has that moment like for two episodes they don't speak he has that weird moment where he still doesn't get it like he bumps into Lorelai in mm. the in doses and he's like I told her I love her and um she just sat there and I'm the bad guy yeah and this is whole like sort of talking to like the universe like how did I end up yeah, I did everything guy. right. That I did everything yeah. right. And I how, deserve this. Like, and that's just like, that's all men. It's <laughs> yeah. like saying, how did I end up being a bad guy? I did everything. I told her I loved her. I, I had, built her a car. Yeah, and she did. She, and she did. And it, yeah, I built a car. I made her that awful ring. It's, no, it's not <laughs> the ring. It's bracelet. It's a bracelet. Yeah. I made her that awful bracelet. Um, I went to her grandparents' house and was insulted by her, by <laughs> yeah, them. I've done everything. Yeah. 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 Um, how did I end up the bad guy? And that's kind of like, Speaking outside of the show to being like, that's what all men were asking themselves in the 2000s. Like, yeah. how did we end up the bad guys? Oh my God, that's so good. Yeah. Which which is maybe, I think, is why when watching it this time around, the first thing I thought is like, wow, like, Dean now is like a 40-something guy who like has loads of old Twitter accounts where he like <laughs> yells at female journalists. <laughs> yeah. And like, when and then you click on his bio and he's like, Daddy to Sophia <laughs> and Maxwell, and you're like, not yeah. a good one. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, it's like I've done this, I deserve this, 
Um, and then obviously that's like, it's it's the thing. I think in in the show, it's played for like Rory it, as even though she's like this incredibly like the, the the phrase that comes up about Rory for the first like four years of the show, which is like. She's a good kid. Rory's a good kid. Like, Fuck off about your good kid. She's a good kid. Um, and it's like, yeah, she's like a responsible kid. And, 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 and like, I think that's how it was talked about in the early years. It's like, it's about a daughter raising a mother kind of thing. And she's yeah. responsible and stuff. But I think that scene where she doesn't return the I love you is sort of, I think what we're supposed to take from it as viewers is like, despite all the sort of pragmatic and sort of charm to this good kid she still like has a hole inside of her because she is you know grown up without a father yeah or really any male role models and has never seen love work out or love be functional and of course she's like kind of terrified by the, this concept because she doesn't have a roadmap for it in her head and that's something kind of beautiful and tragic about that and that's what i love about this show is that even it's so funny and so charming and so whimsical like that there's like always this thrumming beat of trauma underneath everything these characters do, yeah. you know. That's so sad. Sorry, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it is really sad. Yeah, because it is a sad moment, like when she doesn't say that because of all that. Yeah. And um, sorry, you just caught me thinking oh. about Rory. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's early for that. Yeah. It's early for that. <laughs> um, in, in the morning and in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but then then she's kind of justified in not saying. Yeah, you, as it goes on, you know, we kind of, you know, at the time, I did feel kind of sad for Dean because I think we're still kind of rooting for Dean at that point in the show. We still, we, we oh, kind of yeah. like him. Yeah, like he hasn't like thrown a basketball at her head yet. You know, that's the point where it really turns. You're like, when he comes out and she's just sitting oh, there reading, yeah. and he just throws a basketball at her head, like catch, think fast, like, think fast, yeah. So do you know who you're dating? <laughs> like. <laughs> She's like reading the book. What did he expect from her thing? But I just throws yeah. it ahead. That's probably my favourite. Dean as a psycho moment. It's way as a psycho. It's such a weird thing to do. It's such a weird thing to do. Um, yeah, and that's when the anger starts to bubble. I think that was an yeah. angry because by that point, Jess already showed up, and it's like I think, and it's like yeah, and that's the, the problem, I suppose, is that en- it ends up looking like Dean was insecure because of. He was challenged by Jess. You know, that's the sort mm. of threat. Yeah. But he was always under threat. You know, he was yeah. he, like, he started off, you know, after like three or four episodes, he's under threat from everyone, which is exactly yeah. why he ends up storming the Capitol. <laughs> because <laughs> you're absolutely right. Because he feels, he sees threats everywhere, you know. Yes. Oh even my the God. Side, and that's. He sees threats everywhere. Yeah. And even then in himself. That's, that's really chilled me. <laughs> And that's why he kind of ends up just sort of arguing with himself sometimes. Rory's barely yeah. involved in some of the arguments towards the end. Yeah. Just sort of Rory! <laughs> God, it's like everything she does is like, Rory, you're supposed to hang out with me this weekend. I never oh, see you. Wait, that one where, I mean, that way he calls her like 14 times, I think, yeah. in one night. And he keeps oh, that's going really just, hard to watch. He just won't like give her any space, doesn't respect her boundaries at all. Yeah. Um, and it's like the thing, even when he's like being a great boyfriend, they're like, he built her like this beautiful 50s classic car. Mm. There's something in that where it's, and it's hard to know how the show wants us to feel because Lorelai is like, this is fucking cool. Yeah. And like, Rory's like, this is cool. And it's like Emily and Richard who are like, this is inappropriate and probably unsafe. Yeah. Because like, when you look at that, you're like, that is like, that is too much. Do you know yeah. And that's kind of Dean's whole thing. Yeah. Even when he's being good, it's like, it's too, it's too much. much. Yeah. And it's inappropriate. And it, it also this thing of, 
there's this kind of consistent thing of like Dean almost being from a different time like it starts with the Donna Reed show yeah. where he makes this argument yeah. that he thinks like Donna Reed the sort of suburban housewife that they kind of get a kick out of watching ironically he's like I think it's nice that she's a stay at home yeah. mom and they have this very interesting argument that's a very like very Twitter in 2017 argument where she's like you know she she represents she represents all these women who didn't have choices and Dean just like is not getting it. He's no. like, maybe her choice is to. Maybe that's her choice. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice to be, yeah. yeah, and then he, he buys it this very, he builds this very 50s looking car. It's yeah. like, he's, he's from a different era and not a good one. <laughs> no, but he's kind of weirdly from Richard's era. Yeah. Like he is, that's, that's, he likes the idea of, of Donna. I mean, Donna Reed's there, so like this sort of, once she's thrown into the show, she's kind of there a lot. You sort of see the Donna Reed character. Yeah. Them coming back to it without actually saying it. Like, um, he, he does want. He says something about on on Thursdays how all the oppressed housewives come in on a Thursday or something. I mean, he's really oh, yeah. like pressing like Roy's buttons there, yeah, to, to get a reaction. Yeah, but then her reactions to dress up as a 1950s housewife. That's so and weird in Babette's house. <laughs> yeah, in Babette's house. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's a weird episode, but one that I really like. I like it too because it, it comes to a weird conclusion. It has no, which is which is kind of, I mean, which is no conclusion at all. Yeah, like, really. Gilmore Girls often comes to a weird conclusion, which is, ah, let's just carry on. Yeah, let's do let's do a bit and get let's, on with yeah, this. Yeah, and they just yeah, and then Luke's got the bin and he's and they just stood there and there's, yeah, and Dean's face is just. I think he's confused by the the, the show. To be honest, I think his face is just like I don't know what's going on anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I find it hard to. I, I've never watched Supernatural, so I don't know. No. I find it hard to gauge how good an actor Jared Padalecki even is. Because on the one hand, I'm like, it's kind of amazing that this objectively beautiful boy who is like such a TV dreamboat can be so disgusting to me. <laughs> like that's that's great acting, yeah. right? Like to yeah. for for us all to be kind of mildly horrified and so sick of him yeah. by the end of their relationship. Um, and then you see his kind of scenes with like Lindsay and they look like two eight-year-olds who are like written a play called This is Mummy and Daddy at Home. And it's like an, a writing exercise of a traumatized child in therapy. <laughs> he, I mean, his scenes with, with Lindsay are chilling. Like they yeah. are, like the one when he comes back off. This is this is a few seasons on where he comes back. He, he's, he slept with Rory. Um, yeah, he's married. Married someone right out of high school. Yeah, and then uh, and then gone back to Rory because mm-hmm. she needed missed Stars Hollow. Anyway, yeah. So, and he goes back to Lindsay, and he's really angry about the phone. Do you remember this? And so, yeah, she, she's found the phone in the couch. Oh yeah, and yeah. um, she's sitting there with these brownies, these gummy bear brownies, Ooh. and she's which sank. <laughs> I think they sound interesting. <laughs> um, but she's sitting there. And she's been waiting for him, and she's like picked up the phone when Rory's rung, and Rory said nothing, and. And he just absolutely loses it over her answering the phone. He's like, Taylor rings on that phone. What yeah. about if Tom was calling? And he's like, don't answer it. What if it's Tom? And she must be thinking like, why would it matter if I answer to Tom or Taylor? Yeah. And yeah. then afterwards she cooks in the, the, um, the beef. Roast. Oh, oh, and that, well, that, that hug. And he slices it and she's so pleased. Yeah. And I just, I just feel really sad yeah. for Lindsay. Poor Lindsay. I just feel so sad for her. In general, um, blonde women get a very hard run on this show. Yeah, you wouldn't do well though. No, I would not do well there. I would not like it's like between um Sherry and Shane and Lindsay. Like all it's always like, oh, your fucking dumb blonde side piece that you you know warm up with while you're waiting for me, the brunette, amazing Ava Gardner type. Like Um, yeah, I wouldn't fare well in Star no. Hollow. 
Um, uh, he obviously he that there's that brilliant scene which I think like think when the men are at their best is when they facilitate the best scenes between Lorelai and Rory, right? Like, yeah, and it's when she loses her virginity to Dean while he's still married, which is like, and she must be punished because when you lose your virginity <laughs> in Gilmore Girls, you must be punished. That's so true. Um, oh my God, when you lose your virginity, Gilmore Girls, you must be punished. Like, like, yeah, Paris. Paris has a breakdown on TV. Punished, does not get into Harvard. That's the, and then Lane gets Lane, pregnant immediately. Immediately pregnant, has an awful time. Yeah. Really hates the experience. He comes back pregnant with twins, which I suppose is the whole. You know that whole yeah. the whole thing is about like <laughs> punishing you for losing your opportunity. I don't know. Oh my god! It's a, I, it's a I, weird I had no, I hadn't noticed that, but you're so right. It's chilling. <laughs> it's chilling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the first to be punished is is Rory. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, the first to be punished is Lorelai. <laughs> of course, it's just throwing it back. It's just yeah. Maybe it's a show about the dangers of losing your virginity. Yeah, maybe it. I mean, what are we watching? What are we watching? <laughs> I love it. It's one of my top three shows. My top three shows all time. Um, <laughs> fuck, uh, but like, uh, yeah. And there's this great scene where Rory still seems to be labouring under this delusion that Dean like belongs to her. I know. And Lorelai's no, and she's like, "My Dean, my Dean, not your Dean, Lindsay's Dean." <laughs> he says, "My, my Dean." So he's like, "No, not your Dean." It's like she's a four. She's stuck. No, Lindsay's Dean. It's the dialogue is so. Good. It really is. It's so. It's so true. Not your Dean, no, Lindsay. My, my Dean. <laughs> no. <laughs> I also think I think Alexis Bledel is um uh she I I think she she had I don't know if she's like a consummate actress the way Lauren Graham is but I think she's you know she's in, embodied Roy Gilmore for fucking yeah. eight years and she did it as a really young actress and like good on her but one of the places where she's n- never really like lived up to the task is physical chemistry with people <laughs> and I I think particularly with Dean when they, there's so many fucking scenes of them frenching and, <laughs> and it's, oh by the tree there's I a know. scene by the tree that I, <laughs> it's almost unwatchable it's probably the worst kiss on TV ever yeah I know like, exactly the, the one you're talking yeah. about Oh, but it's also kind of true to being a teenager. Teenager. That's yeah. the like. I think that's why it's uncomfortable because you're like, oh god, that before I knew how to kiss. You know, it's like yeah. that seeing that. Oh, yeah. And I like. I think what this show does so well, and I think the the golden era for me. I, I like it when Rory goes to to Yale, um, but I. It's for me. It's the it's the Chilton. Stars Hollow Years seasons yeah. one to four. That's that's what I'm really into. Um, but it's v- it's very true to the nature of teen relationships. Like I think other shows of that era, like Buffy, for example, a show I love. It does kind of forget sometimes that they're teenagers with teenage unregulated emotions, yeah. and like some like they're, some of they're very like slick and sexual. Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. like in in Stars Hollow, it's like they're they're and they talk in a sort of hyper unrealistic way. But their physicality and their awkwardness to each other is very real and very teenage, yeah. I think. Yeah, totally. I mean, they, they talk, it's kind of like that Dawson's Creek thing, which I think is where that sort of first time you see that sort of dialogue, mm. like being used by teenagers who don't really speak it. Mm-hmm. But in Dawson's, they were they were still quite good at making out. 
but yeah. um but in Gilmore Girls they really get it right like, yeah um yeah it's like it's like it's right because it's wrong yeah, almost yeah um and but like they they do seem like when they're kissing like two actors who are counting backwards from 10 so do you think it's because they're bad actors not because they've really inhabited the role well, I'm willing to accept either yeah. based on how charitable I'm feeling yeah, on any okay. given day. But one of my pet peeves, this is the last thing I'll say before we move on to our next one on the list because we are spending a lot of time on fucking psychopath John the Capital Dean. <laughs> we haven't even talked about his best moment. Go on, what are you going to okay, say? Okay, we'll so. go with that. But um, one of my pet peeves in the show and it's consistent is um, Rory giving someone the worst fucking kiss you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> oh, and then like the guy pulling a- back and being like, oh wow, I hope you got another one of those. Like best kiss in my life. Mm. <laughs> was that worth five dollars mm. oh, but then there's a great moment where Babette calls him calls her out for a, a, a shitty kiss with Jess a lame kiss just down that doll it's like that's the awful oh my gosh <laughs> Babette is amazing I don't know where that's the first time I've probably ever done a Babette do it again that's it's Marge it's just Marge it's Marge it's, just it's Marge. drunk Marge it's just drunk Marge yeah <laughs> this is not going to be anyone's this won't even be mentioned on the internet. Like <laughs> you can Google it, but it's you not can, it's, there. It's um, but he's getting married to Lindsay, mm. and he's in. Um, I guess it's Miss Patty's dance studio, and he's sat there after a town meeting. And um, Rory goes up to him, and she gives him a present. It's uh, like a mail order catalogue, and um, <laughs> she's like, I "Don't remember this." this is, no one does, but yeah. I love it. And he gives her. Uh, she gives him this catalogue, and um, she says, "You can just choose whatever you like from there." And he's, he's so dim by this point. He's just flicking through it like it's, it's got everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's his best moment. Ah, that sounds funny! <laughs> it's got you handing a 20-year-old man the Argos catalogue. It's, it's really got th- everything. It's not even Argos. It's like one of those thin ones that you get that has like four pages. You know, it has like... And he's just looking. This has... It. <laughs> and he's so happy. What? <laughs> so he's like... That's so funny! <laughs> He's like Eeyore putting the balloon into a pot. He's that happy. <laughs> He's just sitting there. Yeah. Oh my God. Best moment. Best moment. Best. Five seasons of work. I'm going to go see that. <laughs> like, he started watching like cult horror films and reading Hunter Thompson and now he's fucking <laughs> mooning over a catalogue. Wow. It's got everything. <laughs> Oh my god! It, um, uh, yeah, just sorry. I know we keep saying we're going to move on from Dean, but like, I think the um, his final appearance on the show <gasps> is the most chilling thing. We said chilling a lot in relation to Dean, and I yeah, hope I can park I the word chilling after this. <laughs> yeah, but, I think we can. Yeah, he's the mo- he's the only one that's become chilling. And like yeah. you say, he wasn't chilling. I don't think at the time because mm. of the way the world has changed. He's and become yeah, chilling. Yeah, and I think we just now have like more terms for like manipulation and emotional abuse especially yeah, when it comes I, to young women and their initial yeah. relationships with men um, but he so um, it's during that one of my favourite episodes and my favourite episodes are always like I think I mean this is not original when like Stars Hollow is having some fucking bonkers yeah, event yeah. they're always the best they are great yeah, yeah the Festival of Living Art the 24 hour <laughs> dance marathon it's yeah. like oh it's so good it's like generally two or three big ones a season yeah. and it's a fucking feast um, but this one is when they're having like this diorama thing that I have a new museum opening up and it's like the worst puppets ever. And it's like, like <laughs> stars, hollow, stars. <laughs> so good. Um, anyway, uh, Dean is working on that and Luke is having some kind of issue with Lorelai. I can't remember if they're breaking up or together or what's going on or they're mar- getting married or whatever. And 
Dean's giving him a really hard time on this construction site. And he sort of says to... And, and Luke is like, what the fuck? What's your deal, Dean? I've known you for years. What's mm. what's the fucking problem? And um, Dean's like, you're never going to be good enough for them. This is what they are like. Um, they think they, they're better than this. They want more than yeah. this. And all you are is this. This is all we are. Yeah. We'll, all, we'll, never, get, we'll never be able to take them out of here. Yeah. Isn't it? We, we're never going anywhere. This is all we are. Which is like such a... Accurate, I know. That's the mad thing. It's like suddenly, yeah, he's a genius. <laughs> His last, yeah, scene, suddenly he's seen the whole show. Clicks. Yeah, he's he like, zoomed out and seen the entire TV show. He's like, I know what's going on here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wait, I'll tell you in a minute, Luke. Yeah. Like, you will never believe it. He is like someone who's discovered they're on the Truman Show. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Because like it's that, so perceptive. That is what, and that, I think this will lead us onto our next character really well. Of like, um. And, and and why it's so surprising that this is an American, not a British show, because I do think um, the British sensibility is obsessed with the fact that, like, you know, class transition is something that is not, you can't just happen with money. Like, you can't travel between classes because ultimately you are carrying something from, like, your class DNA, yeah. and it is going to give you expectations or, or whatever that you're going to expect from things. And, and while Lorelai Gilmore might pride herself on being this... 16 year old runaway who made a life for herself as like a suburban townie it, like in her heart she sort of expects more and better yeah. from everything well, that is, it know? is weird you're right because America's like built on this idea of like manifest destiny like you yeah. can go wherever you want it doesn't matter where you're but this show's kind of not about this show is yeah. kind of saying you never either up or down there's no social mobility yeah like you can't go either way you're yes stuck you're stuck there. Yeah, whether you in, in you know the top and the bottom, you know. Yeah, and I think that leads us on to our next character. Do you want to announce him? Can you? Remember? He should. I mean, he he sh- like he should be lower, but you can't get lower. Like okay, I, I, like I'm not. Are you a fan? Well, I don't. I don't hate him the way you hate him. It's Christopher. <laughs> it's Christopher. Christopher is like I think in many ways he's not as obviously awful as. Mm-hmm. as Dean perhaps mm. and there's there's things there are good things about him mm-hmm. um, but on the whole I hate him oh my god <laughs> see um, our I'm not going to reveal the nature of the entire list but our um, rankings are basically the exact same with the exception of I would switch um, Christopher and Logan's position <laughs> Which oh. I think I think Logan's the next one on the list. So I thought I thought that was going to be more dramatic than it was. Yeah, you were. I'm going to cut that bit. We could no. <laughs> I thought he was like number two for some reason, but God, he isn't. No. no, I mean we'll get to Logan and why switching yeah. them is a perfectly normal thing to do. Like, the, same, <laughs> the same person. Why do you hate Christopher so much? Well, because he's really only like he, he's obviously an absent father, mm-hmm. which isn't a problem yes. in itself. It is a problem. Uh, yeah. And the show, I think, forgives him too easily for yeah. his absenteeism. But even when he comes back, which, like, him being absent wouldn't be a problem if when he comes back, he's mm. a father. But yeah. he's not. He's just always macking on Laura. Like, yeah. He's, like, just literally, like, just chirps in her the whole time. <laughs> chirps in her! <laughs> like, that's all, that's, all, that's all he's there for. Like, he's not, he doesn't even attempt to sort of, like, he does, I guess, in season five and six, he does sort of start to build a relationship as a father. Mm-hmm. With Rory, but for the first three seasons, he's literally just turning up to try and. Yeah, Rory. he's like, nice to see my daughter. Nice to get laid. I'm in the yeah. area. Yeah, gets off his motorbike. You oh. are, you are right. Oh, he's fucking take your top off. I know. 
Oh, look yeah. at that. That's, that's his first that's his line. first line. It's fine. Nice t-shirt. Take it off. Yeah. Like, what? He doesn't follow up with like, oh, that's my t-shirt. Like, I thought that must be the joke, that like it was a t-shirt of his. Literally, for no reason, he just says, nice top, take it off. I think that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would work on me. The reason Wait. why I would never be uh, a Gilmore girl, uh, first of all, I'm blonde. Second of all, uh, I would have married Max Medina. And if that didn't work out, I would have just married Christopher when he asked. I would have been I mean, like, yeah, grand. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they wouldn't be wrong. Like, mm. there is something like Lorelai does light up around Christopher. Yeah. They do have the best chemistry. Sh- th- yeah. I and think. they do. And, and they're definitely, they get each other. They get yeah. each other. <laughs> it's, they they get each other. They do you know they when they talk to each other like mm. they are as good at, at joking with each other. Like he's on. It's not like he's not just an audience for her. Which some yes, some of that's the so other characters true. are just like they're, they're, like she is kind of a woman who needs an audience. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that. In if you are to go with her, you have to be prepared to be her audience. I just had this. <laughs> I sorry. I just had this moment of like this is how a kind ex boyfriend would talk about me. <laughs> She's a woman who needs an audience. But listen, she she's a woman who needs an audience. She seems to have found a nice guy. Good luck to her. Luck to she's got the podcast now. So that's, probably, <laughs> that's probably taking care of a lot of that. But you're oh still. My, I just I, re- I really like shot through me when you said that she's a woman who needs an audience. Oh fuck. But also needs to be entertained. I was going to say, but also yeah, yeah. needs to entertain. Yeah. So like the audience isn't enough. For you or Lorelai. Like, like mm-hmm. you also need to be entertained as well. And I think no, that's why so yeah. a lot of the men fall down. Like, mm-hmm. even when they're a good audience, they, they're not. Yes. It, it needs to get, yeah. And that's, there's a point where Psychopath Dean <laughs> is saying to Max Medina, he's like, well, he's like giving him advice on how to like uh, live day to day with yeah. the Gilmore Girls. And he's like, if Lorelai starts talking, making the pizza talk to you, don't just laugh. Yeah. You have to talk to the pizza. Go with their bits. Go with their bits, <laughs> Yeah. Which is it's like well, you don't need to be told to like yeah go I think Max Payne is forty years old. <laughs> He's like, like, like thanks kid, thanks seventeen year old boy, also, boy man. January sixth, <laughs> if you're up for it. <laughs> Awful. Um, and um, okay, so Christopher, Christopher, yeah. yeah. So so he spends the first three mm-hmm. seasons coming back to sort of be a father, yeah. but he's not. He's just like. Mm constantly trying to get together with Lorelai and that's you know so that's the first reason yeah I don't know I don't I feel like the first time he comes back and then is shit like Mm. there's no sort of reason for him to come back and be shit again but then I think they really like the show which is why it's quite subversive is it's like really it does quite like sort of try and redefine what a family is like yeah that sort of nuclear family like He's the biological father, so therefore he would make the best yeah, yeah. family. And it's their destiny. And it does, the show does keep sort of... I think he comes back so the show can sort of hammer yeah. home how it doesn't agree with that. That's so interesting. Like it just... Because I kept trying to work out why he keeps coming back. And I think that's why. I think yeah. they're like, have we made it clear that we don't think that's true? Yeah. Which for an American show is is quite bold. And it also has this frequent thing where it's like... um. Uh, the pitting of Luke and Christopher against each other, which is obviously a natural thing you would do as like the two like romantic sort of rivals mm. of the show. But like, who is more of a father to Lord to exactly. Rory? It's saying what is a father just biological? The whole yeah. the, the, the show com- like always asks like what makes a father? Yeah, and yeah. obviously Luke is actually a father when they have that great 
showdown in Weddingbell Blues. Yeah. And he's saying he was like there at her graduation and he helped her move the mattress. Yeah. Like that's and actually he, like, what makes ma- made her food when she was sick. And I know. Like... And she had chicken pox and he fed her mashed potato. Oh. <laughs> Apparently that's what you do. <laughs> Odd because chicken pox is famously a skin condition and not like a... It's like, it's just, I feel like that should have been tonsillitis. <laughs> Really, really Look, stuck out a, to me. He's not a doctor. He's, he's not a doctor. He's a fucking he's diner owner, which Emily and Richard never let us forget. <laughs> um, but I think obviously you're right. And like, um, what what's interesting about this watch around uh, was this is the first time I've watched the show where I'm this uh, like season one. Lorelai and Christopher are 32. I am mm. 32, and I haven't watched this show since my very early 20s. So it was like interesting coming in at that level and the thing of like first of all okay I get that Christopher was a 16 year old boy and in no position to father a child and that Lorelai was just unusually independent yeah and sort of was like I can do this and I'm living in a shed outside a fucking hotel <laughs> everyone back off <laughs> um but it's like the more the you learn about and that and that is a very fascinating thing to me as well I, I'm learning about what the what was going on the show before we showed up before like episode one um is that like so what through his entire 20s he was just like saw rory at easter and christmas they must have gone to him because he's never been to stars hollow before yeah um i don't know what what was going on there like yeah it is weird i don't know why yeah i guess that's the thing with him as like as an absent father is like he chooses it's not like he's a, a like sort of deadbeat he's not you know, he's not a drug addict or some other reason why he might be able to... He's perfectly yeah. capable of being there and he just chooses not to. Yeah. And that's what makes it worse. Like, that's what's really bad about his character. Like, And it's interesting how the show really forgives him. Yeah. Although It forgives him, although it will... This is what you just said, like, that thing of this question of, like, what makes a father. Yeah. It's like, it is perfectly willing to forgive him and to say to, like, look, you can parenthood is a choice yeah. and you are free to not make that choice and we will still love you as an occasional visitor but do not presume to think that you have authority here Yeah, which is a, a very interesting trade-off and very nuanced I think I, and I think it's sort of, it's, it says we give you we give you like it gives him chances yeah. to come back and try again like it's yeah. not it doesn't write him up like which I think is quite nice like to sort of yeah. forgive people and to be like okay now's your chance to do it exactly but he never steps up to it no and that's I think he is, I obviously don't think he's a great match for the character because I think they're too similar. Yeah. And I think like, there's like a, you can see the, when you see their chemistry together, you can see like, oh, these are just two people who could like, like lock themselves into a hotel room and like flush the keys down the toilet. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just like bad twins, like, like set fire to the house and hold hands. <laughs> kind of thing. There's something about, and that's like very magnetic to watch. And when you see them together, it's like, there's that scene in, um, I mean, that, that season three finale or two finale, the one where Suki's wedding, where they're together for like one yeah. great day. Yeah. The night before Suki is like, he's like, it's it's not happening with, um, what's her name again? Sherry. Sherry. Yeah. Um, I'm here for you. This is us. This is it. This is real. And they have this like, almost like 24 hour, like giddy sort of thing mm. where she's so tactile with him and she's t- she tells Emily. I know. Oh, <sighs> that moment come on <laughs> it really destroyed me and it made me respect the show where it's like obviously Lorelai and, and Emily are one of the central like consistent conflicts of the show and it's the most rewarding dynamic to watch because 
you, every season you gain and lose inches, you know, mm. where it's like they're okay for a while and then someone does something and it's a miscommunication. You just want them to work it out because they're really very similar. Um, and, you know, everything, even when Lorelai is like, when she sort of presents sort of like news to her mother, which she's very afraid of doing, like she didn't tell her about her engagement. She didn't tell her about all these things about happening in her life because she's so afraid of how her mother will receive it and wreck it for her. And when she has got back together with Christopher, she's like, I have finally found something in my life. It's like this child in her that's still, even though she's so independent and so fierce and so insistent that she doesn't need her parents' approval, this when she's in this bubble of love for Christopher, she's like, oh my God, something I want is something my parents want also. Yeah. And for once in my adult life, those two things have converged. And she's mm. like, I think, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of Christopher. And she's like nodding at Emily and... Emily, Kelly Bishop's face does something we haven't seen in like 40 hours of television where she just gives like a grin and she's never smiled like that ever. And she goes, well, I'll be damned. (laughs) And I just burst into tears. I know. Yeah. But it doesn't last long. Doesn't. No, it can't. It can't ever last long. Try those tears. Well, there are more tears coming because obviously he's gone. And he's gone 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 because Sherry's pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Which is... Again, so then he chooses Gigi over Rory. Yeah. Which, so Rory gets abandoned twice. It's awful. And different, so he chooses another child over Rory. Yeah. Which is what he makes that decision. He doesn't even think. He doesn't think it's he it, has it, a decision. decision there between, between, it's like, I can't do that again. I can't, yeah. do, you're just, you are doing it again. Like when he says, yeah. I can't, I can't abandon a child again. It's like, yeah. well, you are abandoning Rory. That's like I thing. know he's caught in a double bind there, like, yeah. but he, he, he sh- you know, he shouldn't. He has to abandon one of them. Yeah, he does. Um, which is sad for him, I guess, as a character. But why would he abandon the one when he's supposed to be in love with Lorelai? I know, but I do, I do. But the thing is, that it, like, it's such. It really makes sense in the psychology of that character. Oh, totally. Because yeah, he, yeah. he's obsessed with. Um, appearances yeah and he's obsessed with fresh starts yeah he's like this is like the thing of like oh, it's different this time different yeah. this time and it's like it's like there's nothing more fresh starty than like a brand, brand new baby brand like new. Yeah. yeah yeah and obviously and then rich and emily get angry with lorelei and that's a really upsetting scene oh it's really yeah the, on the out on the patio when they're blaming her for him leaving so yeah. it's tough stuff yeah yeah it's really tough and um but I, but what I, 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 I actually, I really love the character because I think he, it's a very finely written psychology. It's not like the broad strokes of the broad, terrifying strokes of Dean. It's like this thing of um, he's the, this amazing foil for Luke because Luke is this person who's um, like he's taciturn. Obviously, he's quite grumpy, but he's like solid and he's there. And that line that always makes me cry when Lorelai's like, "When Luke Danes is in your life." Oh God. I know, but then Christopher's Chris, response, response to that is, I mean, that's because he's, yeah, he's not. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Always in. No, but, the, but in terms of, the, of him being a foil for Luke, he's like, Christopher is incredibly charming. Like he can charm anybody mm. and he's like from her world. And he's also, he's such a people pleaser. And he's just like, he just wants the situation he's in in that moment to be as pleasant as it can be. And Luke kind of has no interest in that. Like, Luke's like willing to sit in discomfort. He just yeah, he doesn't has, fucking he care. No, he has no choice. He's a, he's, a, he's a brave man, Luke. Yeah. Because he will just sit. He just stands there, like, in front of, with, with Emily and Rich. He'll just stand there, like, yeah. I don't care. You can just. You can just fucking hate just, me. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Like, yeah, I'll have a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like a beer, Luke? <laughs> has a nice cold beer. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Christopher wouldn't do that because he'd be so, you're right, he absolutely, it's always pleasing everyone. Yeah. Which means that wherever he goes, if he's pleasing everyone, it's always, there's always going to be conflict. Yeah. he's pleasing everyone. He's pleasing women all over. He's pleasing women <laughs> all over. Yeah. Um, totally. And like, there's this thing where, and you see it again and again where he's like, he kind of lies about his situation. He's like, he's got some company, but Ugh. it's actually clearly nothing. And uh, there's there's a, a few different times where and Lorelai like why didn't you like you know he accepts all this praise from Lorelai yeah. and uh, from Richard and Emily about like yeah, is that when his parents are, yes, yes when yeah. Strobe, Strobe and Francine yeah, Strobe and Francine why is his name Strobe I don't know I, don't. <laughs> Strobe. I kept trying to it's think of his so name bizarre. I was like, I was like and it's Strobe I was like it can't be Strobe I had to look it up again yeah. even though I watched it last week I, st- I was like it can't be Strobe how are they spelling that S-T-R-A-U-B okay. it's not like the light that would be a bold name that would be bold <laughs> yeah what mad but like he like accepts all this praise yeah. and then like Laurel afterwards like you let them sort of like pile in on me but you didn't at one time mention that you thought your company no. is nothing and he's like why would I he's taking all the compliments why would and like, I make uh, it hard why would I make things awkward why would I make things weird I know he could have jumped in at any time. At any time and just taking a bit of that flack. Yeah. I mean, she is that the one where she just says... I hate Bush. <laughs> such a great, such a great thing to do. It's just like, we should shorten this evening. Yeah. I hate Bush. <laughs> it's like everything just kicks so up around it. funny. It gets thrown out. Oh, it's, it's a great moment. It's so good. And you, it makes you forget. It's like, oh yeah, there was a time where like insulting the president. I know. It was like a, like a real... I, I mean, I like country music. That's still a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I hate Bush. Um, but then it like uh, the best sort of like fruition of that is um, when he leaves Suki's wedding to deal with the Sherry thing. and But then he's like s- calling and calling and calling Lorelai. And eventually he like shows up at Friday night dinner. Snaps. Snaps. And he's like at the end of his tether. Yeah, and he's like, more, talk to me. And she's like, it's the ma- one of my favorite like uh, Lauren Graham line deliveries where she's like, are you still with Cherry? He's like, yes. He's like, are you going to marry her? Yes. Are you gonna, is she having a kid? Yes. And she goes, well, man, I, I, she's like, she's like so frustrated. Yeah. Man, I, I like, 
and it's like her saying, like, you can't have everyone love you all yeah. the time. You've done things. Like, I know it's not your fault she's pregnant, but that doesn't mean I get to just love and accept you and we go back what to, like, he, our thing. What does he want from her in that scene? Just yeah. To, just to shout at her? Just to be absolved. Yeah. Just to be living the, the cool, clean waters of love and affection knowing that he's banked some affection and he can just like leave it there for a bit. Yeah. He is a dirt bird. And then he and then he and he drags her along to the the birth. Oh, that is. Oh. That, that's also the flashback episode as well. That's the it's flashback they... episode that I have a lot of feelings about. Yeah. But yeah. that's and and that's like Christopher is worst. I mean, he's Yeah. He's not at all aware that this would be a difficult moment for yeah. Lorelai. Yeah. And he's just there with and he's like, he's so happy and no no yeah. thought to how that might make her feel. Awful. What are your thoughts oh, on that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just replaying those scenes in my head and feeling upset. <laughs> Where they're at the the, yeah, sort of the window. observation window, yeah. and she goes, "He's she's perfect." And Laura just goes, "Rory was perfect." Like, oh, I know. Ah, uh, chilling. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> chilling. Um, uh, should we move on? Mm. I, I'm I'm conscious that we've spent so much of this episode talking about Dean that we've <laughs> wasted oh, some great. It's always going to happen. Um. Was there any yeah, but, other Christopher-isms that we wanted to pick up on? Um, but I, I will say that their chemistry is incredible and it just feels like, oh, slipping into an old shoe, you know? Yeah, I know. So I good. mean, it, it, yeah. And it is good even in like series seven, which series seven is his like sort of turn to be like a proper... Oh, when they're married for a bit. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny reading like Lauren Graham's um, autobiography where she talks about that. She just doesn't seem to remember any of it. Like just apparently really? when they were doing Year in the Life, they had to have sort of like experts, <laughs> on like sort of intern experts who'd come on wow. and it's like it's like Paris. We went to Paris. Like yeah. Just directly. Oh and my it's god. Like, and as the audience, we're kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot you went to Paris. I forgot you were married and went to Paris. It's kind of a weird thing. Series seven just like sort of really wants to open out their world and show that they can be elsewhere, even yeah. though they're still on the Warner's lot. Um, but that it's like it is kind of good because. As we said, so much of the um, romantic relationships are about highlighting the impossibility of class transition. Mm. And um, it being this thing of like, you know, they're too, they want more, they, they, even though they love Stars Hollow, they want more than Stars Hollow kind of thing. It's like Rory says, which I live in, I live in two worlds. During her graduation speech, um, yes, too well. I can't do Rory's. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I live in two worlds. It's just I live in two worlds. <laughs> it's more like really good. Little... Okay, you do. My all... mother, my mother filled our house with books. <laughs> <laughs> That's, so she lives in two. And those two worlds are like the Stars Hollow, where everyone speaks in pop culture references. Yeah, and there's Hartford, where and mm. no one can travel between the two of them apart from. Yes. Like Lorelai and Rory, they're the yeah. only like the only, so the only two travellers, and the whole show is oh, built wow. is about like how people can't travel between Luke can't travel the other way. Oh so, my god! So the only- <laughs> Philip K. Dix, the man uh, of the high castle. Yeah, I've read, read it. I've read it. <laughs> oh <laughs> my Luke, god! Yeah. That is so, so good. About. It is like a sci-fi show that way. But yeah, <laughs> like so that's Trek. it. Like no, yeah, no one, could, no one else can travel. Like Emily yeah. and Richard can't go to stars. Like they go, but they're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's I don't know what everyone's fucking off. talking about. Yeah, because yeah. they don't have the sort of yeah the cultural knowledge to to navigate it. And to highlight your point, I remember um, when um, Edward Herman died a few years ago. Kiko Ajina, who plays Lane, um, sent a tweet that was like. Oh, RP to a, a, a real one or whatever. <laughs> um, I never got a chance to work with you, but I've only ever heard amazing things. I was like, oh, wow, Lane that's... never met 
fucking Richard. That's crazy. And that highlights your point. It's like, yeah. it's insane. And, yeah, and a lot of the drama's built, like, when, I love it when Emily goes to Stars Hollow. Oh, so good. Or every time she goes. And Richard in Stars Hollow again, but we'll get to that. But yeah, yeah you know, um, that's what the whole show's really about. It's like how only two of the characters can move between the places. Yes, and, and the, the Christopher marriage is doomed because it's like, this, I can bring the Hartford into Stars Hollow and yeah. I, can, I can bring you to Paris and like set up this movie screening mm. and it's like, I can bring all these big things uh, that you really do I bring want. a flat screen and a, yeah. and that weird chair he wants. Yeah, and it's like the thing of like, yeah, it's not going to work and it's not no. going to impress her for very long. And he, won't, and he won't be able to, he can't really like speak to the townsfolk. Like he, he, oh, he, he, that he, great scene with the bridge. That yeah. was a really good one, yeah. I think. Like, yeah. Go on, go on. Sorry. <laughs> there is a bit, I think it's like the real, that it's how we, the viewer, know that the marriage is done. You know, it's when they are doing this like town knit-a-thon <laughs> to raise money for this bridge. And I think it's like a, a an in-joke of the show that there's like, this bridge is always getting repaired. <laughs> like, uh, well, the, the, like the dance-a-thon is so they can cover a tarp over where the bridge is. <laughs> it like takes forever to fucking fix this bridge. We never see it. Um, and I remember you do, I don't know, right in, but, um, the, uh, and then they're all just knitting and whatever and like raising fucking bits of money piecemeal. And then Christopher just writes a chank for the rest of the money. And Babette and Miss Patty are like, oh, I guess we'll go home. <laughs> yeah. That's not the point. That's not why, that's not why they're knitting. Yeah. That's not why they do any of these things. Yeah. And it's like this thing of like, yeah, exactly. You're totally, it's not why they do any of these things. It's about yeah. being together and being with one yeah. another. And it's like he's undermined the concept yeah. of Stars Hollow. Yeah. He'll never fit in there. Yeah. Because he thinks, he thinks he can fix it with money. Yeah. And that is, you know who else likes to do that? Everybody else, every other man in the show basically <laughs> who has money. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. But Everyone who has money in the show thinks it can fix everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. a consistent that's, thing. But Logan, like in particular, like that's Logan's yeah. thing. Is to, and he is the next man on our list. Exactly. My controversial... <laughs> Yeah, so you were going to switch Christopher for Logan. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought I was doing something there a minute ago. I was That's like, wow. Just, oh yeah, hear me out here. Hear, hear, me, out. Me, hear me out. <laughs> Let's talk about Logan. It's, yeah. Mm. So Logan, it's just, they're similar. I mean, they're not similar, probably. They're not the absent father. But Logan is set up as Christopher. Like Amy has said that. Mm. She said, like, I wanted Rory to fall in love with her father. So he is basically, so if he's meant to be Christopher, that's, I think he's the sort of first character that, like, she's finally seduced by that Hartford world, that upper class mm. world. Like, he's the character that comes in to finally seduce her. Because she isn't in season four. She keeps going back to Stars Hollow and, and sleeping so with true. Dean. And, you know, yeah. and so, and there's sort of Marty's been about, and I, I do, mm. but he's not enough. Like, it takes, like, a, yeah, Marty is an incredible illustration of Dean's sort of surly point at the end of that, like, you'll never be enough for yeah. them. They want more than this. And yeah. they're, like, willing to play in this paddling pool that is you. But ultimately, they want larger, grander things. And, and Marty's is a little paddling pool. Yeah, so he's a little paddling pool. She just wants to, like, watch DVDs with him and eat Chinese oh, food occasionally. And put her legs across him and just sit there. And oh, be like, and like, she knows what she's doing oh, with Marty. Come I know, on. I know. I, she, that's, I don't turn on Rory a lot. Because mm. um, I'm always quite forgiving of any moments, so I'm a big supporter. Yeah. But that is a moment where I'm like, come on. You, you know, know you, you know. know exactly how, he, you know, you've known. He loves you. Yeah. 
he loves you and it's not and it's and it is the thing because she does feel insecure in her relationship with Logan yeah which is why I enjoy the Logan storyline if not the character yeah because it um because it's the first time you truly see Rory on the back foot because every man she's met up until that point has just adored her blindly yeah and Logan for most of the the first half of their relationship he can kind of take it or leave it you yeah, know he's just sleeping with other women you know? yeah it's, it's like, you know doesn't he and I think it's, it, yeah, she says she loves him. That's during when she's like living in the pool house. Yeah. She says she loves Grim him and time. he's like, yeah. And he's, I mean, it's, to be honest, they have been going out for a while then. So this is yeah. quite bad, Logan. But he's still yeah. like, I've said I love you to a lot of women and not meant it. I'm not going to, you I know, know. It's, like, it's a weird thing to do. But he is, yeah. he, he's not committing to her at all. Like it takes a while for him, you know. So she's, he does challenge her in that way. I don't know, like. Yeah. Whenever people talk about Logan, they talk about how he challenges her. And I do think mm. sometimes he just challenges her by, by being a bit of a dick. Yes, he's very devil's advocate kind of person. Yeah. And those kind of people are very attractive to me. I definitely have like a few devil's advocate type friends who are like really willing to go there kind of thing. <laughs> like there's this bit where, you know, I think it's like their first proper conversation when she's organising the wake for Asher Fleming. <laughs> who, you well. know... Let's pour, pour one out for a real one. <laughs> Asher Fleming. Um, the, and uh, she's she has met Logan already, but when she was with Marty and he was very condescending to Marty, which is basically Logan's main character trait is that he's incredibly yeah. condescending. Um, and, he, and, and she sort of was like, you treated my friend really badly. You talked to him like he was a servant. And he's like, well, I paid him for a service. He is a servant. And she's like, you can't talk to people that way. And he's like, well, it's a free country. I can talk to people however I want. You know, and it's like, they have this back and forth that's very charged and very yeah. infuriating. And I do, and even though it's like a sort of a horrible worldview, and I don't think the character himself even shares it. He just no. sort of is enjoying himself. But those sort of, that, I think that, I know those sort of contrary characters, like, it doesn't mm. matter what you say, they're going to disagree with it. Who's, oh yeah, who's your favorite Beatle? You know, it's like it's George right, Harris, right. Oh George, is it? It's like oh. <laughs> not it's Paul McCartney. Oh, you know, it doesn't really matter what yeah. you say. And I feel like that's what Logan's thing is. It doesn't matter what she says. He will yes. take a contrary opinion to it. And and that is like and that's such a interesting critique of the devil's advocate person. Mm-hmm. And I might say I don't necessarily. I think when we use that term now, we're like we're talking about like bigots who are trying to justify themselves <laughs> I mean more of the thought experimenty type people yeah. who I, I I do like sometimes of being like well like, let's, let's put this on his head and let's say that someone does have the best intentions yeah. I, I can tolerate that um, it is the thing of like it is very easy to be a devil's advocate if you have no skin in the game yeah. and there are no stakes for you because ultimately you're fine it's yeah. incredibly easy to view things at a distance and say like well what is the definition of a servant well you know yeah, <laughs> kind of yeah, that yeah. kind of thing you know but that's his because his entitlement is like that's the whole thing it's he's like he, he's never threatened he's he's very entitled and it doesn't really nothing's going to go wrong for him like mm. Mm. which I guess and it never does and he never really does yeah that's, which is why Roy finally gets seduced by him I guess because yeah. he's like maybe that's quite fun world to be in where you're kind of protected from anything ever really going wrong yes which is her major character flaw right is that she has been so the thing is she has been protected through her whole life she's been really coddled by Lorelai and protected from the nasty things in the world like like, when I think of like when she gets into the car accident with Dean and she fractures her wrist and like Lorelai sort of sits up with her yeah. all night and then Christopher flies through and it's supposed to be this very kind of romantic thing but when you actually think about it you're like that's a 17 year old yeah. girl who's like 
fractured her fractured wrist. Fractured her wrist. It's like, <laughs> yeah. if, if this is the worst thing that's happened to Rory, then you have not, you've done your job too well as a parent. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you've not allowed her to get these scrapes and bruises. You spent, like, it's not, maybe this dynamic isn't healthy. Yeah. So and when she leaves, do you think that's why she goes to Logan? Because once she leaves Lorelai, she needs someone else to, yeah. or she needs to feel like she has a status that, like, naturally gives her protection. Well, yeah. So she, like, she finally reaches a limit with Lorelai. Like, she crosses a boundary that is of, like, the whole dropping out of Yale thing. And yeah. then they don't speak for, like, an entire season, which is too long, I think. I think it goes on too long. Yeah, and I feel really sad for them as, as, as actors during that because they didn't get to do scenes together. Yeah. And so I sort of... I, start, I started thinking, oh, that's really sad for them because they're really sweet and they must really enjoy working together. Yeah. Obviously, suddenly I stopped thinking of it as a TV show. And I'm like, oh, it's their oh, jobs. Alexis oh, and Lauren. to work together. That's sad. That is sad. <laughs> um, and that like, so she's, she's like, and that's why ultimately when you see her in A Year in the Life, even though it's a, a depressing arc that like Rory, this golden child, this prodigy, this genius is kind of, kind of like sputtered out really like mm. she hasn't really reached any of her aims is a very grim but realistic view yeah what happens to people who are incredibly coddled and can't sort of deal with the real world so she's rejected by Lorelai when she says she wants to drop out of Yale and then she goes straight to her grandparents and then she just lives there for a while and she just yeah. like can't deal with real life and that's why ultimately she's so attracted to that kind of Huntsberger world is like yeah. I want to be protected well, because then she can become Emily I mean that's what she, I mean she's going down the Emily yeah. route obviously she's like join the DAR and it's like yeah and that's I guess that's what the show was has been like this is what happens if you let men do this for you like if you yes if you, if that, and, yes and I guess that's why I don't think ASP ever wanted that to be the way she went like it's she you know in season yeah. seven I think it goes too far obviously she rejects it in the end yeah but then she's yeah so I, I do think that's like that's the lesson that she wants us to learn from Logan yes is that you you can't have that sort of man yeah because there are me- there are a few different sort of elements times where she's just kind of like hanging out like yeah that, that the whole that whole thing that's such a betrayal of that character but in a really interesting way in the way that real people do betray themselves do you mm, know what I mean yeah. where she is just sort of hanging out and like Richard in particular is like this is this has yeah. gone from being like a timeout to being a dangerous thing like you well, could really fall down this dar rabbit hole and yeah. just like it's such an interesting thing to show like a character psychologically unraveling, and the way we're seeing that is that they're organising benefits for charity. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's a really nice unraveling. Like it's quite a, a comfortable unraveling, yeah. but it is, it is amazing. And then, and she gets the Birkin bag in the middle of all that. Yeah, and that's what I love. The what I love the Birkin bag because she doesn't know what it is. Yeah, and it shows that she doesn't really belong there. She has no idea of its value. Back to the value systems. Yeah, like she right, has. Right. No, she has no idea of like because it isn't valued in Stars Hollow. No, it's just it's just a bag. Yeah, it just wouldn't be valued there because other things are valued there. You know, it would be just a bag, right? But in their world, and and she doesn't recognize its value. And I love how they use that that the Birkin bag to sort of show that she's she still doesn't get what's of worth, and she's trying, but she doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't understand anything's value. Oh, it's so good, and it's like I think it's the exact same episode where. I think he, yeah, he gives her the bag and she's like, cool, oh, thanks for the bag. And she's yeah. like, maybe... And she puts her own bag inside it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very sweet. And like, he's he's kind of amused, but also like, I'm too, I've been brought up too well to say that this bag costs 20 you, grand. I know. It's like a $38,000 bag. Oh my God. I, guess I looked it up. Yes, you looked it up. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was like, 
<laughs> fashion correspondent, <laughs> Jahoff. Um, and but that's the episode where she says, "I love you." And then, as well. yeah, literally moments later, she's like, "I love you," and he's like, Ugh. "It's like you, you will drop thirty grand." And, yeah, and he's like, "On a oh, handbag." They, he's like, "Oh, they said the bag would have that effect." Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think that's. I don't think the bag did have. I don't. Maybe, no. I don't think it was the bag. I think she's just really. I think she really, just said a, a thing. A really low point, and she's yeah. just like, maybe if I said I love you, and he said it back, that might be. Maybe I'll feel might, something. That might be. Yeah, it might yeah. feel a hole inside me because I'm really empty. Because it's sad to see her at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like yeah. I think it's. I mean, first of all, the car- the character is like condescending and irritating. He's hot, and I think when like <laughs> he is hot, what? he's not my type personally. But like you can't say he's not hot. Um, the and then the the, the the bits when he's at his best, the bits where he's like quote unquote pushing her mm. is where she she you know is rallying against the upper classes. Yeah. and he's kind of saying, "Well, oh, how dare you? Like this is such a." I know. I know the way where, where she writes yeah. the article, and he's really. And yeah, and this, she sort of assassinates all of his friends. Yeah, and he's like, "How dare you?" That's. I, but I think he gets it wrong there a little bit. He's like. He's like you're one of us. He's you like, are. You went to private school. Yeah. You're not paying your own tuition. You're not paying rent. Like I know you have a job, but like you're you stop pretending like you're above yeah. this or separate to this. But I think she is separate to it. So I think he's wrong. Do you? I, I don't. She, she has all the she has all the trimmings and the luxury, but she doesn't really. She doesn't come like she spent the first sixteen years like of her life yeah. not having any of those luxuries, living in a potting shed. Mm-hmm. Like she isn't the same as Logan. Who's never had to experience that? But it is this thing of like the the main, again the main point of the show the impossibility of of class transition so saying, and, yeah. and and I'm not yeah. I'm not by the way listeners so I'm not it, saying it's impossible to transition <laughs> I'm saying the like the, the you know the emotional sort of baggage of that thing and how um, so you think she is you think he's he's spot on there. I, I don't think he's spot on but I think that like the Lorelai and Rory consistently frame themselves as these yeah. bootstrap hauling yeah. um, working class and people and I fell for it and I fell for it and I fell for it and I fell for the whole thing yeah, yeah. And, I th- and like this this continued thing where like there's a several times in this, obviously the whole show was founded on uh, Lorelai needing financial help from her yeah. parents but like several times again and again she has to she either does or doesn't take money from them and it's like a thing, you know, yeah. it, it happens a few times. And um, I, I maybe I'm just reached a point in both in my life and in my age and also in this economic climate where like someone having to swallow their pride and take 20 grand off their mother <laughs> is just not, does not hit with me in no. the same way. I was like, yeah nobody can take 20 grand off I'm sorry you had to swallow your pride yeah, and yeah. like oh now she has to have her DR meetings at the inn it's like oh, that's just not good enough for me it. anymore yeah, you're right. like, <laughs> every Friday yeah I mean, you're right yeah, yeah you can, she can have an uncomfortable conversation with her parents and get her way out of any situation yeah like whether she does you're or right. doesn't do that doesn't actually matter because if the net is there the net is there like yeah yeah so oh wow so the say, I'm sorry <laughs> You, uh, you, ma- I think, I think you disagree. <laughs> huge moment. No, I, I do agree. Yeah, but it's a moment of realization for me because I think I've sort of always gone along with their their official line, which is they grew up in a potting shed and yeah, um, and they don't they don't enjoy any of these luxuries. You know, yeah. but you're right. Yeah, they, they it's always there for them whether when they want it. Yeah, even if they don't have it as part of their sort of yeah. Daily I, I don't. I don't for one minute believe that like if you know, Rory when she was a small child and like they were totally estranged from Emily and Richard, that if Rory, for example, had a terrible disease, yeah. that they wouldn't, you know... They wouldn't have gone there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. So no, yeah, no Logan, is, I mean, he is, he is right there. Um, I, sometimes I feel like his sort of support of her is, it's just unnecessary. Like, I feel like the way he's sort of, I'm trying to think of that moment. She's written an essay. It's when, like, Dean mm. and Dean and Logan are still both in the picture at the same time and Dean mm-hmm. hasn't read the essay because... Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he can't read. So, he looks at pictures in the catalogue. Is a film of it? Yeah, it's like... It's a film. But then, then, but then Logan's just so... He just one he just that sort of he just does unnecessary. He like says there's too many similes in it, and he's oh. like it's like oh is that it's like that you just he has to have a a point on everything which is sort of I know yeah. the feedback on the other essay was 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 you know the other article was fine yeah but the one on this one where he's like there's too many similes sometimes it's just like oh, you haven't yeah. just say I haven't got anything to say <laughs> just say when you haven't really. He has an opinion on everything, and I bet there are. I bet there were too many similes in it. You just, you just don't like her writing. You just don't like Rory. I do, yeah, <laughs> I do like Rory. No, I don't want to be one of those like me, Mary. Um, like, but I do think one of the most the Huntsburgers do represent both this the thing they represent both the the fantasy of wealth, but also the harshness of reality, mm. because you can tell that this is how the character was raised that he was in this family that like we shoot from the hip and even though we're wealthy we still see things clearly and to like be kind or soft about things is kind of parochial and by the book and we're just going to say what everyone's thinking he was clearly raised this way this is how he like talks to her about her writing and her worldview and stuff and sometimes it's effective and sometimes it's just being a cunt yeah and then you meet Mitchum Huntsberger and she doesn't have it no he crushes her. He, you crush that girl. <laughs> crush, you crush that girl. <laughs> you crushed her. Crushed. Oh, no. I'm, I'm really only good at Babette. It turns out. It's just in my head. Edward Herman <laughs> saying, know. you crush that girl. <laughs> he does. Kind yeah. of, un, I mean, uh, uh, but they sort of dress up as like that sort of like a necessary way for you to develop. Yeah. But I don't know if it helps Rory to be crushed. Certainly not, no. I don't, because like, that, that's what begins her tailspin. Yeah. Is like, yeah. What did she really learn from that? Apart from like, like now she has no self confidence. Yeah. Like, what does crushing people do? What do, do, do? What does crushing? Yeah. Is it is it a good? And Logan's, you know, he's all about, you know, he's kind of about that sort of like. You're right. It comes from his family. Like, yeah. they're very honest with each other. And but it's like it's like not, it's not honest because it's like this thing of they're they're speaking their truth. Yeah but they believe it to be the truth yes. because they are powerful and wise. It is just yeah. it is simply a version of things. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know? Exactly, you're right. It's just their truth. Yeah. Rory's a great writer. <laughs> <laughs> I think she probably is. I do like it in, I feel like in Year in the Life when she's sort of had the sort of New York, she's had the sort of articles mm-hmm. and stuff. I could do why I find Year in the Life quite, um, it hits home because I feel like that's exactly what would have happened. Like, you can yeah. be it, like, she was probably just like pretty good. Yeah, but it, like it isn't enough to take her, and it's harsh. When it's you when harsh. you see it, it really, yeah. I, I just think seeing her at thirty two and she's kind of just so like, a bit lost. It's yeah. like, I mean, you know, it's, yeah, it's tough. It yeah. is tough. Like it's like, and obviously, like they they had this character growing up in the noughties, like when journalism was an easier. Prof- not, it's yeah. never been an easy profession, obviously. You got paid for it, but you did get paid for it, <laughs> and you could possibly, you know, have a family and a home yeah. <laughs> at the same yeah. time as being a journalist. And like, yeah, seeing her in this sort of like piecemeal freelance existence, yeah, that depends on, yeah, a level of grit, a level of productivity, a level of um, 
also just having ideas, she would which have she's a, never been good at. No, she'd have had a podcast. She'd, yeah, she would have had like a, um, yeah, like a like a how the how stuff gets made type podcast. You know where she like it, like one of the podcasts where like they interview a CEO of like the body shop, and oh, it's like, and how did you really big guests? Yeah, <laughs> just like oh yeah, absolutely, like the John Lewis the CEO, of John Lewis or something. Yeah, it's like. So what do you do? What's your day-to-day work like? You know, what's, what time do you get up? Just like really like, oh, come on. Come, come on. <laughs> come on. But that's what the podcast will be. And it'll be, yeah. Oh, really? A podcast of <laughs> critique? I can so imagine that. I know. Of just like, she for some reason she has access to these incredible guests. Yeah. Like not even the CEO of Channel Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah, well, like, 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 so, like, like she gets Michelle Obama on yeah. and you're like, how the fuck did Rory Gilmore <laughs> get Michelle? And then you find out, it's like, oh, she has other connections and like, yeah. Logan Huntsberger, she, she knows the Huntsberger, she's mad in with them. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, cause she's like a three out of five interviewer. Yeah. I don't understand what's going on there. <laughs> I'm having the best time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we've really got to the bottom of where she'd be. Yeah, yeah. that's really where she'd be. <sighs> oh. Um, but so yeah, he tells her that she doesn't have it, and I, and I, but then there's been a lot of like you know conversation in the last few years of like um, yeah, he was right. She didn't like she yeah. didn't have it. Yeah, and he said like you'd make a great assistant. <laughs> oh. And like, Do you know what? That's a good job. That's a good job. I think she would make an amazing executive assistant. Like she's like. She can anticipate needs. She's very organised. Yeah. Like you see her many times in the show, you're like getting things together. Yeah, she's really organised. You see her books. You know they're always yeah, like, yeah. you know, and uh, you know all her works. She's always on top of everything. She'd be a great assistant. And she'd be great at any number of jobs that have yeah. like a, that a clear have a clear structure in an office place where yeah. everyone's role is really defined. Yeah, I could see her being like head of people at like we transfer. Oh my god. <laughs> My friend works for WeTransfer. She'll be great to know that Roy would fit in it. In she HR. works for a skipper at WeTransfer. <laughs> That's what she's saying. So she's HR or is she just sort of in charge of the projects, like project managing? It doesn't matter. <laughs> but she's there. She's there, yeah. yeah. Something like something like, like a high-powered high sort of tech job that is kind of no one really knows what she does. Sort of yeah, but of it's good. And it's a, like a really nice company to work for. Really nice company really to really work nice for. Company. A great team. And I'm... <laughs> Really good. You can so imagine Rory being like, "Yeah, it's a great team. It's a really good team. I love my team." And you're like, you never hear anything specific about anyone on her team. She's like, "Yeah, I love my team." Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) she doesn't often go to the pub with the team though. But she loves her team. Oh no, she would go to the pub. She would. She's not for long. I was. She's not staying at the pub. (laughs) No, she's not. She would go to the pub. She'd be there first, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in the, get in the table sorted. Yeah. yeah, and she'd always bring in like buns and stuff, people's birthdays and cakes and stuff. She'd do that. Yeah. She's kind of, she like. No, I don't. Th- I think what she'd do is she'd order the crosstown bakery. Yeah. Sort of yeah, bagels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and or or donuts yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. Oh yeah, she'd go all out on that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know, like, oh yeah, Rory ordered the crosstown again. Cool, thanks, Rory. <laughs> is she to jump to a different uh, text? Is she a Meg from Little Women? Oh, like, I, was being, I was thinking last night. <gasps> she's a Meg who thinks she's a Joe. That's yeah, sad. That's it. That's, that's sad. It. That's it. She is. She is because I think that's it. And that is sad. Because I was thinking, are there any Megs? Like yeah. in in Gone Because and it is her, isn't it? She's but we a think, Meg, and we're supposed to think she's a Joe, but she's not. She's a Meg. She just wants things to be nice. First, with that text on your birthday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Didn't, Sorry. But she didn't get invited to the party. Oh, I should invite her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. God, I forgot to tell her it was, yeah. Yeah. 
She's one of those people. Sorry, we're getting a little real loud. <laughs> one of those people that you um you forget to invite to your thing, uh, and then afterwards you tell yourself it's like, oh, it's because I thought you'd be so busy. You seem really busy. And it's like yeah. I actually just forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just much complete forgot you forgot you existed. Uh, <laughs> Fuck. I just thought you'd be so busy at we transfer. <laughs> We, okay, the thing is, she hosts the podcast for We Transfer, and that and like, blah. and that's how she gets to speak to Michelle Obama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, for final thing on Logan, one of my favorite moments between them is when she still sort of like is pretending to hate him, and she calls him a butt face miscreant, <laughs> arrogant, rude, oh. pretentious butt face miscreant. <laughs> um, Paris does. Paris has a great takedown of him. Oh yes, it's just really good. I might have. Yes. Paris, what's Paris's takedown where she's like, nothing but a two-bit spoiled waste of a trust fund. Yeah. And then like, you you offer nothing to women or the world in general. And if you disappeared off the face of it, only your Porsche dealer would miss you or something like that. Only your it, Porsche dealer would miss it's you. It's so good. And I think so when good. you're looking at characters, mm. if you're like, oh, I don't know about this, what does Paris think? Because she always nails it. For me. Oh, that's so good. Like she is... She's like she sees to everyone's core. She's yeah, the, and she kind of sees to Rory's core. You again, know, it's it, but again, it's it's a truth, you know. It's a truth. One eye, <laughs> yeah. but it's also mine. But also, you you always should, yeah. I and like the thing is, we don't really have um any of Paris's love interests on this list because apart from Doyle, they don't really stick around. No, for that I do long. like Doyle, but that's probably more because he was Jonathan and Buffy. Yeah, so same. I think I when I see him, I'm like, oh, he's on screen. But I think of him being that character more. So yeah. None I do. I do think he's just a continuation of Doyle. He was our number one, um, and they they are funny together. I yeah. just don't believe that that woman would have sex with that man. Sorry. No, not after Asher. Not after Asher. And Fleming. Jamie. And Jamie. Jamie. Dreamboat. Jamie. <sighs> Jamie. Um, let's talk about our final man. Okay. Of this half. Of this half. Yeah. Um, it's Richard. It's Richard. Mm. Are you happy with Richard? Where Richard? Maybe he'd be a little higher for me. Yeah. I. I actually. Since I sent you that list, I did actually. I yeah. did amazing. I moved, I switched him with who's at number, whoever's next. Oh, really? Well, no, with that with number. This is a very is loose switch, ranking system. Is that switching five for four? It's another. Yeah, it's another not... wild, another wild switch. Logan, six for seven. Oh, he can't just do no. So I would. I actually after having watched it again in the last month, mm-hmm. so much of it. Um, I do. I have. I've you know grown to like Richard. In a way yeah. that perhaps I didn't sort of the first two times around. Yeah. Um, I, I adore him. Like yeah. I, I think then, him and Emily are just the glue of the show. Yeah. Because um, they're such theatre actors. Yes. It's um, it's great to have them there. Because <laughs> they do bring a quality to, to it. A quality. <laughs> a quality listeners of this podcast might recognise as being very a play. <laughs> They are very a play. And they're so a play. <laughs> so, everything they do is very a play. Yeah. And once that's in your head, you can't stop seeing that it. everything's very a play. Yeah. They're amazing. I mean, they're almost ludicrous, like when they come on to the screen sometimes, which is what I quite like about thinking about how the other actors would have taken them. Yes. When they would have been sat in their train, it's like, oh, they're theatre actors. I know. Oh, they bring, they're going to bring such a professionalism. And they're in there, and they used to sit in their trailers doing crosswords, apparently. And the two of them? Yeah, and they oh, do crosswords. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, then, and then the rest of the cast, like, oh, you know, these young actors, like, haven't done much before. And like, yeah. what's it going to be like? And they come out, here they come, the professionals. And they come out, and they give what is the most very a play performance, like the most yeah. ludicrously over-the-top performance. 
I guess, I don't know. I think I just believe them so much that even though it is this big acting, I just also believe those people are big. Yeah. You know? Hey, he is big. He's Six big. Five. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Rory, heights. you are tall. <laughs> That's the first line of the show. You're tall. <laughs> so uh, they've never seen Rory. This is what I. They haven't seen her then. They have. No, they, they see her at Christmas and Easter. Right. So when he says, you're tall. Yeah. That that's he has seen her. I, I think she must had a recent growth spurt, okay. you know. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> She's a tiny person before that. Um Yeah, I, I think as well, what's so exciting to me about this show and what like it, why it just would not I wouldn't watch it, I don't think, if Richard Nemley didn't exist. If it was just like very charming stars hollow niceness and two gals having a lovely time and we saw Richard Nemley sometimes, like I probably wouldn't be as interested in the show. No, it'd be boring. Like, it would be really like, boring. Yeah, that's the way, even though they are centred as that's what the show is about. Yeah. It doesn't work without without Richard and Emily. I mean, what would it, I don't, what would I don't it know, be, what would that show be? Not just because they bring the conflict, obviously. Yeah. Um, in the early seasons, they are the kind of the majority of the conflict. It's also that they are like, Lorelai has self-mythologized her life to the point of being like, yeah, I'm, I'm a single mom. And she's like, we, we were talking about this, yeah. we were texting and we were like, in the first season, she brings up, I'm a single mom, like every other scene. And she's like, when um, Babette's cat dies, he's like, this reminds me of what it was like when when Rory was a baby and I was thrown out her bottles. It's like, her cat's just died, can't you? And what's the other, it's just so many times. Oh, when Lane... Lane touches that guy's Lane hair. Lane touches Richie's hair. Yeah. And he's like, she finds Lane back at her house and she's like... I remember when I you know, was pregnant at 16. At 16. It's like, it's like this, this just isn't applicable here. <laughs> and also, everyone thing. in your life knows this about you yeah. already. It's, it's like... She's touched a boy's hair <laughs> and she's going to feel really embarrassed about it when she goes back to the marching band. Um, and like that's not the same as getting pregnant at 16. But they just really, the show's just like... Oh, did you forget she was? Yeah, it's like so. Kid. Like in, in case you've just tuned in, in case you've just yeah. switched over from friends. I guess that's why. I guess that is why because it wasn't. Yeah. A, it's a difficult time slot. It's a difficult. People always talk about the difficult. People time slot. always talk about the difficult. <laughs> it wasn't a difficult time slot. That's Gilmore Girls. The show is like pull itself up by its bootstraps, like own self mythology. It's like we were in a difficult time difficult slot. Times, like, at eight o'clock on a Thursday. Difficult time slot. We're competing against friends and American Idol. <laughs> Which which is, I mean, it was a difficult time. But that's their version of we live in a padding shed outside a hotel. <laughs> uh, totally is. Yeah. Um, difficult times. Um, but yeah, the this thing of uh, Lorelai has constructed this, constructed this legend around herself of like this bootstrap pulling thing of she was a single mother and she had to get out of this. Um, stifling upper class thing and then she had to do and she always oh, had to do things by herself and she's independent and it's like it's so romantic and everyone who knows her she feels like she's that she's a romantic character do you yeah. know what I mean like she reminds me of Julia Roberts's character in Runaway Bride where like everyone who lives I don't know if you've seen that movie but like everyone in that town is very aware of the self-romance yeah. of this character and um, the uh it gets punctured when you meet Richard Emily and you're sort of confronted with their humanity and you realise, oh, the wound this teenager ripped in these people. The thing of like, you yeah. you left them and you they couldn't get to you. And yeah. you are that you were their sixteen year old child. <laughs> like Yeah. And like how that and there's this bit 
one of Richard's early best bits, I think it's season two, where he, he does like defend Lorelai to Strobe and Francine. Yeah. Oh, but it's, 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 a, it's a tough moment for, for Rich. Like for, yeah. for us, what is where he throws Strobe out. He throws and, Strobe out, Strobe yeah. Out and Francine. And, they, yeah. and then he goes into his room and he's sat there and, and so Lorelai comes in and yeah. says, thanks for doing that for me. And he's yeah, like, and she's kind of bowled over. She's like never yeah. seen this, this act of love from her dad before ever. And she's like, wow, maybe finally this will be the moment yeah. that we begin building the bridge. He could have grasp that moment yeah. it's an, odd, it's an yeah. odd thing for a character to not run with her what the way when she... Lorelai misjudges the things I find that so good it's always yeah. the best moment I, when he, but he, he won't he, he doesn't like he doesn't just go with what she says though. he's like yes do, wh- why do you think I did it yeah and it's like I didn't do it I did it for the family name or something along those lines you know yeah and he says if you think that what what went down here today sort of repairs the years of hurt and suffering that's happened in this house since you left. Like your mother didn't get out of bed for a month. It's so, you're like, oh my God, these poor people. I know they're harsh, but they didn't deserve to be hurt like that. That's the thing, like part of Lorelai's self-mythologizing is that they're worse than they are because they, Mm. yeah, they're annoying. Yeah. But people are, you know, like, (laughs) Like, people are annoying. (laughs) And and you live in Stars Hollow, you should know that. You You live with Kirk. Kirk is there every day. You you know, people that you like can also be annoying. You're also, as Lorelai, you know, Mm -hmm. I love her, but she can also be annoying when she's talking about snakes on the plane or whatever. You know, she, she can be annoying. And so she, it's it's I find it hard that she never sort of forgives Emily and Richard for being especially Emily for being annoying. Yeah, they just let her in a bit. Cause it, you're right; it mm-hmm. would have ripped a hole. It's chilling. Yeah, ripped a hole. In <laughs> the operative word of this podcast: chilling. chilling. For this like, warm, chilling beautiful podcast. show set in New, in New Haven. Oh my god, it's always so warm except when it's no. Yeah, it's yeah. chilling, but it is it, that is like God when you think about that. Yeah. So no wonder they're so happy when they when Rory comes into their lives and they yeah. have the daughter they never had. Yeah. It's really upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that scene where, um, and the thing is like, it, it's like, it is this war that happens over many seasons that like, they gain a few inches, they lose a few inches, yeah. they gain a few inches. It's like, re- and, it, that, and it's, it's probably why the romantic conflicts in this show always do feel secondary because the primary conflict is with the the elder Gilmores, right? Yeah. And that is kind of amazing. Like it's like very rare. It's like basically the only other thing I can think of is succession, where intergenerational conflict yeah. and sort of wealth and what it means and what it did to us is such a thing. And like it's weird because you couldn't think of two more different shows. <laughs> they're kind of the same show, really. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I guess that there's that thing that which I only sort of thought of recently, which is probably really obvious. It's like mm. she's really worried about Rory being taken away from yeah. her by her. but then I realised that she's also worried about Rory replacing her yeah. there's that double that double tragedy that if if Rory leaves and sort of go when she does go and live with um, with Emily and Richard it's, it's sort like, of her worst fears it's her worst fears not just losing Rory but being yeah. replaced as a daughter and you're like god that is no wonder yeah. she's kind of threatened by that by, by that that scenario you know yeah and um, no wonder She's like, because like she's, we do see her in her, Lorelai, even though she can be a bit frantic and annoying, 
she is like a very screwed on person and mm. she's like able to see situations for what they are. She's a great advice giver to her friends. Yep. Like she's like always there in a crisis. We see her at work. She's very good at it. Like, <laughs> but then you see so much of her logical brain just leave the building whenever yeah. she walks into that house. And it's yeah, so compelling. It, because it's such a dangerous situation for her. Yeah. It's like, there's yeah. a lot to lose. There's her own like position as a daughter and her own daughter. Like she's. Yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Cuckoo bananas, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's it, it reflect it's a reflection of like most adult people when they enter their parents' home, right? When they like haven't been home for a while, and it's like oh god! Like every time you go in, you think like oh I'm like I'm a grown person. Yeah. I have a bank account and a dog, <laughs> and then you're like suddenly acting like a sixteen year old, yeah. and you don't know why. Yeah. Um, but one of my favorite let's go through our favorite Richard moments because there's okay. so many good ones. I mean, it's yeah. There are. I mean, I love Richard in Stars Hollow for me. It's a really melancholy. Yeah, episode. beautiful Richard. Like he's the grapefruit from the scene. I love seeing, and that's the whole thing about him. He does make his way through Stars Hollow like quite mm-hmm. a clean. What like he has, you know, he has a nice time. I think. Yeah, he's got his paper a lot. You know, grapefruit, and then there's yeah. The, he overhears Lorelai on the phone talking to Manny, and he's like, "You can't talk to Manny." Like, but I think he has yeah. a nice day. Yeah. But then at the end of it, oh, when he's like, "What does he say about?" Because you've never once, she's like, I've invited you into my home and you can't speak to me like a, I'm an employee or whatever. And he's like, you've never once invited me into your home. Yeah. This is like, your mother begged you because she's, she's bored of me and oh, I'm bothering her. And it's like, I know what it feels like to be obsolete. obsolete and I hope you never it. have to feel that. I know. And that's what, and that's, that's like all, that's all men of his generation because yeah. he is like a, a 1950s, you know, post-war, yeah. like that he represents that type of masculinity and then mm. the year 2000 what him saying that he's saying that to all women yeah and the world he's saying I feel obsolete because yeah. my type of masculinity isn't valued anymore and so uh, he said I hope you never I like hope you as women never get to feel like this I mean he's, yeah he's out there you know they've been yeah. obsolete you know but um it is it is it's really sad and then he goes home and sits in the dark on his own <sighs> He's like, I'm going to go organise my stamps or whatever. And I know. He lies about having a hobby. Like, he's not in like, He just sits there. And in the dark, it's really, and, it's a really sad moment. And there's no scoring at all. It's just like, still. Yeah. It's it's horrible. And it, it, it's like, you can read as many like articles or, or tweets as, <laughs> as you want about like, oh, these men who have everything and now they have nothing. Or now they feel like they have nothing. They just sit in their comfy homes feeling obsolete. And then, but like, I defy anyone to watch that episode and not like feel the raw humanity of it. Yeah. Because it was, that's how men, that's where men were. They suddenly were all finding themselves like, and the whole show's yeah. like the, the men in Gilmore Girls are lost. Because and, men are obsolete in the Gilmore Girls. They, yeah. d- they are. I know it's, it's like a, up, you know, they don't it's need a, them. It's a utopia where they are obsolete, where they're not really needed. They can do some handiwork and yeah. some of them have been reduced <laughs> to just making coffee for people. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they are. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> they have, they, they've really been diminished. So they, they aren't really there for any, you know, Richard's probably the one who has the most power there. And even he And, and Taylor has, Dozy, and he's like a yeah. figure of ridicule. Know, he's just like, yeah. he's like a fucking, parody of this freak. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I and mean, the show just like sets up like men in their, in their roles and then just takes the piss out of them. Like, yeah. just, you know, and so Richard, Richard is, it's hard because you realise that this man who thought he had the, all the power isn't, has yeah. no power in this new world. Yeah, in, the, in this utopia, he has no, you know, even though he has money, you know, it's yeah. kind of his wife is spending it, and he, you know, he 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 just feels 
like he's not there and it's it's sad yeah but that's you know not saying you know that's kind of what yeah where men were what men are where men are it's where men yeah. are it's not where they were yeah. it's like that, this is the first show that sort of says this is where men are. I think like shows like films had started doing like falling down and stuff there mm-hmm. were films coming out and ran but you know mm-hmm. that sort of idea was was sort of spinning around films like men aren't finding it hard and they miss men their, are finding it hard finding American Beauty right yeah, like, yeah exactly yeah. they're finding it hard they miss their fathers and they wish they were going to the moon you know all these things you know. <laughs> they miss their fathers they wish they were going to the moon that's, that's, that's the whole crisis summed up very well it. done yeah and that's it that's just that's where men were and are we still we don't talk about the moon so much but you know. I'm talking about the moon every day yeah. every moment I'm not on this podcast I'm talking about the moon um, and yeah so when the moments where he's able to be strong like the way, like when he stands up to Mitchum Hansberger, yeah. you crush that girl. I know. Um, the and uh, and mom, it's like it feels like there's almost like a kind of a soothing bam that comes over you as a watcher, being like mm, everything back in its place. Yeah, thank God, <laughs> oh, thank God a big man. guy is shouting at somebody. Uh, God, the men have the power again. <laughs> <laughs> Down, yeah, but he's but he's at his best when he's not there. like when he's at the golf club and he's gossiping with like he gossiping mm. with Rory when he's or when. Because he's actually his best when... Him and Rory together, yeah. Him and Rory together and also when him and Emily break up. When they're, when they're separated. Oh, when he lives in the pool house. Yeah, I, th- I you kind of like... I, I hate quite, when people live in the pool house. Just, it's never a good sign, is it? <laughs> I love the sort of the parallel between that and the OC pool house. I feel like in my head they're the same mm. pool house. Like people just live there when they're, when, they've sort of, when they're lost and they go to the pool and they come back into the main house at some point. But when he's like, he's cooking, the, he's, he does the drinks and... Emily does the dinner mm-hmm. and um, he cooks them the steak on a stick and yeah. he cooks them some steak basically well his butler does but yeah he yeah. cooks some steak on a stick and they're like oh we should get t-shirts maybe steak on a stick club and he's like oh, have you ever worn a t-shirt um, granddad <laughs> like I've never really had seen the occasion to wear a t-shirt <laughs> it's such a lovely moment it's like he's never worn a t-shirt and oh, no wonder he doesn't fit never in worn a t-shirt. because like, he's, that's, he's that idea of masculinity that's never had to wear a t-shirt well, the people that would wear a t-shirt were like the counterculture. Jess represents yeah. a sort of masculinity that would the have t-shirt. worn the t-shirt wearer. You know, you are a fashion correspondent. <laughs> I t-shirts now. It's so interesting because, like, uh, Emily is like this such this antagonistic person, and she's like she needs things a certain way, and she's incredibly controlling, and she thinks that what she thinks is best for everyone. Mm. And for the early episodes, we do see Richard be this more passive character. He's like, "Well, yes, mm. your mother, whatever your mother says, you're tall, <laughs> you know." And you're like, "Oh, this is like a cute guy. It's yeah. like a cute fun." Because yeah, he doesn't even want to take her. Uh, golfing. golfing doesn't he want to, oh. and, then, and then they have like a nice time you know and she and wears that awful hat and it's so sweet it's so sweet and that's like a great episode because it's like the first it's like this you know the sort of the Chekhov's gun of like Rory's class reversion I guess yeah. where she where Lorelai says I spent so long running away from that kind of life it never occurred to me that you could want it and then yes. that, that becomes the main conflict yeah. between yeah, those yeah. two women that's it for, yeah that, that Rory that runs, wants things from that yeah. life you know yeah, that's it. That runs then for seven seasons. That's basically the idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. And and it's a thing of like, what the, the sort of the short-sightedness of Lorelai's planning, which is that like, I want to send my kid to Harvard and I want to send her there on my own kind of thing. It's like this mm. weird, this, the thing of the Ivy League is like used <laughs> in this show in a way that it's not used anywhere else, no. you know? Like obviously the Ivy League is a very loaded and complicated thing for Americans and we just sort of know it as like these buzzwords that yeah. stand in for intelligence in class. But it's like, 
Laura, like, what did you think was going to happen? Like, yes, let's say she did go to Harvard. She would still end up mixing with the people yeah. that you resent. You don't, why would you put Harvard as her dream? Go to like, a, a, you know, just a local school, local, yeah. local university. Go to somewhere yeah. where like, she's not going to mix with those people. If that's like, she's so afraid of her going to that world. And that's her dream is for her to join that world. Yeah. And she thinks that she's making some kind of a stand because her dad's a Yale man and she yeah. wants Rory to go to... Ho- that. That is a very uh, hard episode to watch with Lorelai where she's... um. It's the thing of like, they, they take... They go on a road trip to Yale. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Richard sort of like blindsides Rory with this sort of... The interview. interview. Yeah, yeah. And Lorelai freaks out because she's like, you want to manipulate everything. You want her to go to Yale and... and and even though Richard has behaved poorly by springing this on them, mm. every point he makes is salient. He's like, sorry, Lorelai, you don't understand this system. I know. You weren't part of it. You don't know that like every, like, Chilton wouldn't even allow her to apply to one school. I know, because she goes mad when, yeah. when she finds out that she's applied to other schools. Yeah, because she doesn't know that like to apply to one school is a fucking nuts thing to do. Which shows. Because she's yeah. so child. She's like, Rory's going to Harvard. Rory's going to, it's like, Rory, like <laughs> she doesn't Harvard. even know the process. She yeah. doesn't even know, yeah. And like, it's so, it's so difficult as a viewer to watch that because you're like, you're used to Lorelai having the answer to everything. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're a fucking idiot with some things. We've all been through UCAS. We know how it works. Well, yeah, we know how it works. <laughs> yeah. But Lorelai hasn't. No. She's like, just one school. I know. And she's yeah. like, she's found out she's put like five others down and, and it blows her mind. She yeah, it blows out. her mind. And and Richard is just like, he's like, he's like really puts his foot on it. He's like, sorry that I'm not going to risk my granddaughter's future over your weird pride. And he's like, <laughs> so right. You know, yeah. you're like, yeah. Because she's they're so weird about Harvard. But that's but you know that hasn't <laughs> Too come from weird. they haven't hasn't come from Rory either. You, that's the thing. That's one of those storylines where I do like I think she's a great mother. Mm. But yeah. I do think like the the sort of indoctrination of her yeah. daughter with Harvard only came from her and, and it, it was done for self, you know, it was like not going to Yale, you know, all these And it, I also it, think it's very it's such good writing because like and I also think this. I think it's a lot about their junk food addiction as well. Of mm. like, which I know people have problems with. Um, I like that. I like it too. Also, I think it sort of speaks. I think the junk food is, is like, it's like correlated with like her being. It's like an adolescent desire. Yes, exactly. Which of course is about she had she lost her virginity and was punished for it. <laughs> but no, she, yeah. you know, it's about her. Like it's her. her she's stuck with adolescent desires, and yes. she's sort of you know that's it. Oh, so good. We're really good at talking yeah. about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's like you exactly. It's like this adolescent desire. It's like when I have my own house, I can stay up all night and eat Twizzlers and marshmallows, kind of thing, and pop tarts for every meal or whatever. But it's also this thing of like this is like a single mom who there's a, I think that there's a sense that like they moved into that house when Lord, when Rory was like ten or eleven, and um, like there's a line where Suki said you know they're talking about like Luke's ex girlfriend Rachel. Mm comes back in the early seasons and Lorelai was like where was I for all this she, and Suki's like you were moving into that house and you were raising a 10 year old you know like yeah. uh, and I like the idea that like oh, yeah, she doesn't know Rachel does she she doesn't know Rachel yeah that like she's only really come into the Luke orbit in the yeah. last few like they've always known each other but they've only really become friends quite recently well it feels like you know yeah I mean I think it's eight he refers to it as eight years yeah when they're on their first date 
Yes. So at which uh, point Rory's seventeen, so that kind of makes about nine, sense. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we get the sense that she was living. That's what I put together in my head. Yeah, no, my no, head I think you're right. this, She was living in the Independence Inn. Basically, her whole world was there. Her best friend was Suki. Kasuki yeah. also works there, but her whole planet was that, and she was also part of the town. But mostly, she was at thing, and she probably didn't have the money to spend in a diner every single day. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so you get this idea of these this very young woman and her very small child. Every day, like after work, like going to a going to doses, picking up some fucking junk food, mm. watching TV for six hours and going to sleep. Like that was probably that life for yeah, a really long yeah. time. And the idea, because like Harvard is such a American-y sitcom version of it. It's just like, if you're watching TV in the 80s and 90s, basically no other Ivy League exists. Like <laughs> there's an obsession with Harvard on American yeah. TV. And you can so see how they would just be like, and that's where you'll go, Rory, yeah, yeah, you know? Exactly. When she was like four. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And that, that, that's where it comes and that's why she has no idea because yeah. obviously those shows don't go into the exactly s- but it's like it's like process. it's yeah. like Lisa Simpson wants to go to Harvard do you know what yeah, I mean like yeah. it's like so an it's obvious it's kind of a joke yeah, yeah. It, like yeah yeah um. but um, but the, yeah but then she like she has to sort of pull back from this like quite embarrassing realisation that she knows fuck all yeah. about the system yeah and it's really hot it's really painful as a viewer to so see that our favourite girl knows fuck all about I something know. you know I know because she knows everything Except in that world. Yeah. She doesn't. She has resentful clippings of knowledge that yeah. she has hoarded. And she and thought there'd be enough to get. Yeah. Uh, but she didn't prep. She didn't do the sort of preparation we've, done, we've, for this, we've, done. we've done for this podcast. Do you think it's like time to take a break? Yes. Are there any other moments of Richard? I mean, there are so many. Oh, God. You crushed that girl. <laughs> you crushed that girl. It's, it's probably the, 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 it's the finale. When he's like says, when he's okay. like, when he speaks to Lorelai and he's like, um, it takes a, he says, what's it he says? It takes a, takes a remarkable person, and he and he cracks on the, there's a break in the room. He like takes a remarkable person to inspire all this, and it's like, oh, and it's like, about that. and it's literally destroyed because I think when he shows his sweet side, it mm. it it really destroys. It destroys me. I think maybe that's just yeah. Because like, he can, she can show it to Rory, but when he shows it to Lorelai, you really feel like you're getting like something a, a, from the depths of a person who like who has had who has been hurt by this person and yeah. who had so many hopes for them. Like when she graduates and he's there, and that when uh, she just looks out and he's there. Oh my god! When Lorelai graduates from business yeah, yeah, school, yeah. And they've been and, and so dismissive of her I in know. business school. And then they just see like, oh, this is it. This is the moment. And, and that, that's a moment they'd always like... Fantasised about. Envisioned for it, yeah. And hated that they never got. Like, yeah. It was such a big thing that they never got this moment. And then he gives her the, you know, gives her the check. Oh. I love it when he gives checks. I love when he gives checks. Here's another check for Fez. Oh, two <laughs> checks for Fez. <laughs> Where is Fez? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I don't think Rory knows either. No, I don't <laughs> I love that he just keeps... <laughs> Just like whipping out these checks for Fez. Uh. <laughs> the, the only storylines that I remember really adoring from the young life is first Rory's kind of failure to launch, which I found very relatable and interesting and real. Mm. And I also loved that Emily, Emily without Richard, because sadly Ed Herman passed away. Yeah, and they kind of they. But there's the episode where they I think it's quite early on. Actually, it's the first time he has he goes to hospital. Yeah. Is it the first time or the second time where she says, I, I, I did not sign I, up to you dying. Yeah, I don't want to go first. Oh. <laughs> and then, oh, God. He says, yeah, Emily, you can go first. I know. <laughs> and he just, 
And um, yeah. And he goes first. We'll leave you there. Part one. We'll see you all next week. But for <laughs> us, it will be in about half an hour's time. <laughs> Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com